What is up, Conscious Monkeys? Welcome back to another episode of Traveling to Consciousness. As always, I'm your host, Clanky Terry. And before we get jumping into, we get started, we get moving into the new episode we have with this week's guest, I do want to encourage you to listen to this podcast on the official Traveling to Consciousness app available on the iOS and Google Play Store. It is so cool to me to have my own app and to be able to organize all of the material that I create into one singular space just for you guys. You're going to have access to articles. You're going to have access to audio tapes. You're going to have access to extra stuff that people don't have just on the normal Spotify or Apple. Now, here's the extra thing is that you have an option to sign up and support me through a $3 a month membership, which gets you some small access, but really the main benefit is supporting the show. And I love the idea of transparency. So I want to let you know that every dollar I make through this platform is going to be reinvested back into the podcast, whether it's getting better equipment, whether it's just funding the overhead that I have right now. I just want to make that clear to you that all money made through that sponsorship will go straight back into the podcast as is most money that I'm creating right now. Anyhow, with that being said, you also have options to sign up for a fifth density conscious monkey membership, which gets you the podcast completely 100% ad free, as well as gets you the YouTube videos. Well, they're technically on YouTube, but they're not showing on YouTube. So you basically get these videos that are not available anywhere else in the entire universe. So you get access to the video, you get access to the, the podcast ad free and there's a couple other things coming down the road, but that's another higher tier option. So I want to leave that out there for you. So hopefully I see you there and hopefully you're listening to this podcast on the official traveling to consciousness platform. And if not, no worries. I still love you. So let's get into the episode with this week's guest. Consciousness, exploring spiritual journeys to find answers in uncertainty. And we're live. Aaron, how are you doing? Thanks for being here. I am amazing. Thanks for having me. It's an honor that you're here and I've been wanting to talk to you for a while now and I think it's going to be a good one because it seems almost like at least at a high level, the beginning of our lives have kind of been similar where we figured out like the path we wanted to go and we've almost achieved that aspect of getting that social status. You know, with your story, you were ex-Wall Street banker and so that had to be, you know, kind of a almost ego boosting morale thing of, yeah, I work on wall street. Yeah. I mess around with millions of dollars. Like how, like how did that kind of come into your reality and how'd you kind of get there? Yeah. You know, it all started when I was, I want to say like sophomore in college. So originally going into college, I was pre-med. I like thought I was going to be a sports medicine physician. And then I started taking um, the classes and absolutely hated it. But I started a side business and that side business um, really sort of blew up. And I just knew I was like, I'm meant to do business. Like I just love business. I instantaneously fell in love with, fell in love with it. So I changed my major to finance. Um, And from there I started to 
just be obsessed with the financial services industry because I landed this um, internship. And so even before going into like investment making and that type of thing, I actually sold insurance first. So I'm like this senior in college selling my friends and family life insurance, (laughs) but like loving the sales aspect of it. And then at a certain point, I'm like, you know what? I don't want to sell insurance. Like I want to, I want to be a stockbroker. I want to go to New York and like had this crazy dream. And ironically around the same time, I have a massive spiritual awakening. So I'm also getting into manifestation and truly believing that, that could be a possibility for me. So that's that's how I ended up um, on Wall Street. It's really fascinating because even in that initial little blurb that you had there, I'm hearing it in your voice that you just almost had this love for money. Like it just sounds like you've always had this love <laughs> for money coming in and out. And it's interesting because I know that in my life, it appears that I'm, I've been blocked in the past of receiving money. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of curious, where do you have any idea of how that was cultivated in you? What societal mm, messages so, were coming through to you in regards to money and love, I suppose? I would actually say I I didn't have an obsession with money and I don't have an obsession with money. I actually just like creating things that feel impossible. So for me, it's about the thrill of can this actually happen? And then on top of that, I will say um, being a black person, a, a woman of color and learning about the subconscious mind and all of these things, I was really deeply fascinated with being able to create a different life than what my my immediate family and ancestors had experienced. So it was never actually about, I want to go to Wall Street and make a lot of money or manage a lot of money. It was, I want to be the creator of my reality. Um, and I think when I got a taste of like that personal empowerment, I just, yeah, I just became obsessed with manifestation. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. And And that's maybe an interesting corollary and hopefully we can find a way to kind of weave Mm -hmm. this in and out because I grew up in a mostly predominant white area. And so my perception of like race and black and white, I've kind of always taken as just like it's skin color. It doesn't matter, but it seems like that's almost a, in the cultural landscape, a privileged way to look at things. Mm -hmm. So in your mindset, your experience, how have you seen it? And especially at wall street, because I assume Majority of people are probably old white men that you would be running into. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How? What was like kind of the inner dynamics of creating this reality as a Wall Street banker? And then did you experience like either racist or feminist kind of, well, mm. I guess, would it be feminist? <laughs> no, not feminist. Racist or? Sexist. Sexist. There it is. That's the word. <laughs> so. Like underpinnings. Um, how? Okay. Cause it's like so multi-layered. I'm like trying to pin down the right way to approach this because I had this massive spiritual awakening and we'll go deeper into that. I'm sure around the same time when I was uh, getting into manifestation and creating money and actualizing my desires in having an ego death experience it stripped me of even this attachment to myself as a person of color. And I know a lot of people that sounds bizarre and it sounds crazy. So by the time I like actualized this desire of working on Wall Street and like in these top institutions, I wasn't operating through the lens of like, I am a victim and like these people are going to limit me in these space. It was pure total co-creation between me and the universe, leaving everybody else out of it. 
And that has been my personal approach to manifesting my soul's desires. Now, it doesn't take away from the fact that there were deep, uh, deeply embedded subconscious programs like ancestral programs and beliefs and the fear of racism and things like that, that I had to overcome. Absolutely. That, that was a part of it. So I'm not taking away from like the experiences of my ancestors or, you know, my lineage, but I just chose that that was no longer going to be the game that I wanted to play. And that came through deep, 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 um, dark night of the soul, spiritual ego, death, total, sort of like stripping down of these egoic layers. Well, then let's jump into that because that seems like, first of all, a huge on-brand topic to talk about. But yeah. even as it kind of relates to ancestral trauma and the vagueness that I understand around past lives is that we tend to incarnate on a similar familial line. So it, it, first of all, through your experience, like what what did that kind of look like for you in that spiritual awakening? Like what happened? Did you kind of go through those layers of, you know, the, the history that we've seen with African-Americans? Like what, what does that even look like for somebody who's maybe even hasn't had a spiritual awakening and yet someone who's an African-American woman in today's society having a spiritual awakening? You know, it's just like any person. You're born into this family that has traditions and ideas and beliefs. And so with my family, how I grew up, I was constantly fed this narrative of how we were oppressed as people of color. It's just the way that I grew up. So I didn't really question it. it you know, Black power, like all of that. I was like totally on that wave Um this episode of Traveling to Consciousness is brought to you by Superpass. Now, what the hell is Superpass, you might be asking? Well, I use Superpass to host my website, host all of my amazing content. I use them for my app, the app, the amazing app that I know you're listening to this on that I don't even need to tell you about that's available on the Amazon. and oh, It's not available on Amazon. It's available on the iOS and Google Play Store. That app, the one that you're listening to this podcast on, the Traveling to Consciousness app, they're absolutely amazing. So honestly, if you're a content creator and need to organize and put things in one place, I highly recommend Superpass. They have an amazing community. They have an amazing support team who I've always been in contact with, reaching out with, and they're always increasing that product. So I highly recommend it. At checkout, I highly also recommend that you use promo code Clayton2022 because you'll receive 10% off your first 12 months of a yearly or monthly package, which is up to like a $300 value, which is crazy. So please go do that. Check that out. Click the link below, go down to sponsors, click on the Superpass affiliate link and sign up today. Superpass, everything you need to build a content business. This episode of Traveling to Consciousness is brought to you by Aquarius Mushrooms. And Aquarius Mushrooms creates what I can only describe as these fine art sculptures that are all one of a kind and these plush mushroom fabric sculptures. They're what I would describe as being like little trip buddies. They're perfect for anyone who has a room that is dedicated to spiritual adventures or anyone who is looking for a fine piece of art that is one of a kind. I think I said that, but one of a kind to enhance their psychedelic experience. I'm sober and I look at mine all the time and it just oozes out this creative and spiritual energy that I 
it's hard for me to stop looking at sometimes. And so if you are on even maybe just smoking some weed, like I can only see how this thing would open up a portal to a new world. So I highly recommend that you click the sponsors link below, scroll down where you see Aquarius mushrooms, click their website and see if any of them speak to you. Because if it does, I can only imagine how it's going to speak to you in the real world. Aquarius mushrooms, mushrooms for the new age of enlightenment totally in sync with that until my spiritual awakening kicked in. Um, I mean, I had always been a seeker. I always had questions about religion and, and just how things didn't make sense. Even African-Americans uh, coming here from Africa and then Christianity sort of being indoctrinated or imposed, even that was a huge part of like me just thinking about um, the validity of all of these different things. So when the spiritual awakening um, started to happen, it was intense because I had to let go of, of this identity. I truly believed myself to be an oppressed person of color. Now, again, I know this might be triggering for some people, but I just have to keep it real in terms of what I have personally experienced. And so my spiritual awakening was just me starting to think about these things, questioning, questioning these things. And um, when I went to college, I stopped suppressing the questioning and just started doing research, you know, different documentaries, um, different books I started to, to read. And then I stumbled into an LSD experience, which really sort of, it was like the experience of all of the information I had been consuming. So it was almost like the universe was leading me to this massive grand awakening. And I didn't even realize that I was like searching for something that I was going to be finding quite soon. Um, so that was my path, you know, but I, I respect all experiences. I just want to make that clear. I don't think I've ha ever heard anyone say that they stumbled into an LSD experience. <laughs> <laughs> I always say that because as a black person, I did not grow up with people around me doing psychedelics. So it, it, it was totally different than today where like people are researching on ayahuasca and, and watching YouTube videos and getting all this information and planning to go do this thing. It was literally one of my friends going, Hey, I think you, like conceptually you get all of this stuff, but you need to experience it. And I'm like, basically you're asking me to do crack. Is that what this is? I just didn't know <laughs> what it was. And somehow he convinced me. And it's funny because I literally still have this photo in my phone of me at like 19 years old with this acid tab on my tongue, no clue what I was getting ready to experience. And I just totally lost myself, like died literally died. So, um, yeah, it's really, well, first of all, you know, guys do your research before doing psychedelics. <laughs> don't want to, don't want to put that out there, uh, but even more so you said something interesting there where, and you even rec, you even followed it up in that second thing where you were talking about how the African-American community psychedelics isn't something that's really discussed or talked about. And even in your first encounter with it, you were like, oh, this is basically crack, which I think we all can agree. They're very far <laughs> different, <laughs> different spectrum, different, different line of chemicals to get there. So have you done any research or any like deep dive into a, why there has been this distinct separation between psychedelics and the mm -hmm. African-American community? 
I haven't really done any research. I just know that the the accessibility wasn't there. It's just not something that people were talking about. And um, just sort of off the top of my head here, when people are living in survival and just trying to make ends meet, um, almost like the privilege of wellness, you don't really have time to think about your consciousness or spirituality or even like meditation was not something that I grew up seeing people of color doing. So as I was coming into these things myself, it was all very first generational. Mm. And speaking of kind of first generational, because this is something that I feel like I have no authority whatsoever to speak on. So to have someone like you on, I want to try to get as much knowledge out there as possible on this. If someone is in the African-American community and listening to this, what would be like guidance that you could give them or speak mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. that would help them down this almost, I don't want to say disassociation, but ability to pull their ego or psyche away sure, from sure. this, this mm-hmm, colored mm-hmm. matrix that we live in right now? The first thing is separating your soul from your avatar. So you are here experiencing yourself as a person of color, but that is not your 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 true soul form. And once you understand that you're no longer attached to the set of ideas, beliefs and limitations that come with the avatar, you know, it's like a package deal. It's like, oh, well, this was the 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 avatar I was born into and this is what we believe and this is what happens to us and this is what we do and like that whole narrative and you get to um, draw outside of the line, so to speak. And so, um, you know, coming from my heart, I would say, don't be afraid to recreate your identity and your story. Mm. I think it's probably a difficult one for most people to hear. It's tough. (laughs) It's tough. It's tough. You know, you're operating on hundreds of years of programming, which is why even some people listening to this they will be triggered. I know they will be triggered. Um, but that's just your ego. So, um, observe that question it, play around with it, explore it, like, you know, do your thing. <laughs> Luckily, I think this channel has a solid amount of people who are either accustomed to be triggered or they have been triggered <laughs> and right. they come back later. Okay, good. Because I know, and it's kind of funny that you bring this up. Cause I actually recently looked at this where I, I do post like, things on my Instagram that kind of poke the beehive in a sense. And I find it interesting because like, I think they're things that I hold as true. And I understand where if you're still in that ego identification that it can push you back and where it gets interesting is whenever I see comments that are along the lines of like, you're crazy, this is dumb, you're insane. Sometimes I'll actually click on that account. And it's funny because it actually says that the person's following me. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, okay, why are you so, following me? <laughs> like, I'm an idiot, but you're still following me. So, you know, it's it's a very interesting dynamic of like, yeah, people could get probably will, maybe will, but it, it it seems as if it's the soul's quest for a deeper truth. So if someone yes. is poking that truth at me, I know that it's in there somewhere and I need to just like vibrate off all the programmed bullshit that I had in my life. Mm-hmm. And I think individuals such as you and I, we've signed up to be that catalyst. So I don't mind people being triggered. I've gotten into ton of, or I used to get into like these crazy intense debates with like families and 
family and friends over religion and these different things. And now I'm more spiritually mature. So it's just not of interest to me to debate. Um, but I think being triggered comes with the awakening. And so that's okay. All right. What I think, so going back to your story real quick, cause it's poking me. It's interesting how you had your spiritual awakening and then still kind of pursued a societal game. Sure. Maybe that's not a fair way to put it. Right. But, but I would expect, and I'm, I'm projecting my life onto you is that once you have that awakening, you kind of want to go and do your own thing. So what, like, how did this kind of spiritual awakening happen, but then push you into, or even help you continue down this wall street Mm -hmm. banker mentality? That's such a great question because at the time it was a huge dilemma for me. It's like, am I going to still get this finance degree or am I moving to India and building an ashram and shaving my head and just <laughs> renouncing everything? And because I knew I was going to be a spiritual teacher, I, I didn't know how. So it was like this plan that I thought that I had, is that going to happen? But what ended up happening, the the guidance and, and the perspective that I received was everything is spiritual. And that is a part of the message that you are here to deliver. So this, this, soul-based desire. So this desire to go to Wall Street and create whatever I wanted, it wasn't coming from my ego. It was truly coming from my soul desire to be the creator of my reality and understanding that within that game, I get to have as much fun and impact as I want to have. And knowing that eventually I would be having conversations like this. um, So I just had to trust that somehow the universe was going to weave it and, and connect all the dots. And I really, really needed that experience because there were so many lessons um, that dissolved my ego even more on the topic of money, on the top of, topic of um, just divine feminine awakening, being a woman in a male dominated space. Like there were so many things that that environment and point on my path offered me. Mm. It's super interesting too, because you know, I think you, I'm looking at your Instagram bio, you know, ex wall street banker, and then you even have turned around and created a seven figure, you know, business yourself. And so I'm kind of curious, like what were some of those dissolutions or dissolutions dissolve (laughs) the, what is it? Past tense of dissolve dissolution. I, I, for some reason I lose (laughs) these words sometimes whenever I'm like in the middle of thinking of it, I'm like, I know there's a word here, but uh, so how did you kind of dissolve away? let's say your ego or like any false beliefs around money in order to generate, you know, let's say be around to be able to embody like this, this amount of wealth. This episode of traveling to consciousness is brought to you by mushy love. Mushy love is a latte type blendable mushroom caffeine free elixir that honestly tastes like a liquid cinnamon roll. And I know that you're going to find that on their website, but it's honestly true. It's stacked with more than twice the amount of mushrooms as any other mushroom latte. And I know that there's one in particular that we all think about, which kind of starts with the word mud, but this one blows that one out of the water. I highly, highly recommend if you even try that one to just give this one a shot. And I promise you that you will not, you will not be sorry because I just, uh, it's so good. It's honestly so good. And I want to get to a place where I can actually just, they send me these all the time for free. So please 
go and buy it because if you buy more, then they'll start sending me more. And it's just honestly a win-win because it tastes amazing, like even in water. So even if you're cutting, even if you don't want to like put milk in or coffee with it, you can just do it plain in water and it's so freaking good. Guys, go click the sponsors link below. Scroll down to Mushy Love. Buy your pack today. Remember promo code Clayton. Promo code. I can't even talk right now. Promo code Clayton at checkout for 10% off your purchase. Mushy love. Mushrooms shouldn't have to taste like mud. Give yourself some mushy love. Living from my soul. So contrary to belief, I never sat down and studied money. Like in the way that I teach other people about money, I never solely focused on okay I want to create this dollar amount I always just focused on the thing that was going to be most thrilling for me to create knowing that it was going to come with the money and also knowing that on a subconscious level I had so many blockages around money that if I focused on it specifically I would probably create more resistance for myself so I kind of actually avoided money altogether and just focused on the love, the the love of creating things that I love. And so anyone who's looking to redefine their relationship with money, I would say it's not about the money. It's it's more so about what are you contributing? What are you creating that's going to allow you to embody the vibration of the money? And then you're going to sort of close that gap and the money's going to catch up uh, to you in the physical. Mm. So you're almost even just focusing on the frequency of abundance and prosperity exactly abundance Mm -hmm. money's just a subsequent byproduct of that occurring exactly have you seen that take over any other aspects of your life have i seen like the abundant the abundance aspect of just embodying Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. frequency come in in other ways you know it's what i like to call this magnetism that happens on autopilot where even for me now, I don't really consciously try to manifest things. I just focus on being in a, in a particular state of being and being in a frequency of gratitude or abundance. That's just going to pull in all of the things that are on that wavelength that would perpetuate that feeling within me or pull in experiences that are going to, uh, be a vibrational match to what I'm already embodying. So yeah, just total magnitude or I'm sorry, magnetism and not being attached to like specific outcomes. That it's, almost seems like it would be easier than focusing and it on is. one element. It definitely yeah. is easier. <laughs> like I still have specific things where I'm like, universe, like I would really love if you could make this happen. Like, um, but I'm really at this point where I I truly know that I'm gonna get everything that I want or something better. So the same intensity when it comes to manifesting is not there for me anymore. So how do you get there? How do you get to that place of just knowing that everything's going to come to you? On a practical level, you have to be committed and devoted to working on your own vibration, uh, changing your beliefs, and then you'll start to just see things happen. And you start to have so many of these little wins that now it's solidified in your consciousness that you can have whatever you want because you've seen it so many times. I love that. It reminds me, I was actually just listening to a podcast that was talking about this, roughly this topic. And maybe that's why this conversation is going this direction. And she was basically saying to not really even worry about 
the money or the relationship or the thing, worry about your state of being, because then once you do the energy work, the rest is effortless. Just do the energy work and then just listen to your body, your intuition of like what the next step is to get to that thing that you believe you desire in a sense. Exactly. And expanding on this a little bit more, this is what I like to call your energetic baseline frequency. It's like if I were to call you up on the phone tomorrow, 2 p.m. in the afternoon, how are you generally or typically going to be feeling? And that's who you are outside of the times where you're like consciously trying to manifest something. You are your energetic baseline frequency. So I focus on um, or when I was like doing all of this awakening work for years, it was just raising that baseline frequency. And so it just becomes everything becomes automatic. So in raising that energetic baseline frequency, what energy work do you kind of do for yourself or encourage other people to do to raise that baseline frequency? Being content and fulfilled in the present moment is the easiest way to over time raise that frequency because here's what most people do. They pinpoint what they're unhappy about. And so they're perpetually in a state of lack because if I'm unhappy about something, typically it's because my ego is believing that I don't have something. So I'm vibrating lack. But if I train myself to be satisfied in the moment, now I'm vibrating abundance. I'm vibrating the frequency of I already have things. And now I become a vibrational match for more things. The universe is going to show me, oh, you're a being who has things. And then these things start coming in. And then when your life starts to change, it's easy because you actually enjoy the things in your reality. So it's very, very challenging in the beginning when you have a shit reality and you actually don't like any of these things. And you're like, tricking yourself into believing that you're happy. Um, but you have to start there. You, you have to start there with contentment, fulfillment, satisfaction, joy, love, abundance, exactly where you are now. So you almost need to look for the things in your life that are not vibrating at that frequency, right? Like if you're not living in the place you're living at or want to live or don't have the income that you want to have, you need to shift that ability to see that in a more positive light. And then that's what ends up attracting more to you. Yes. And I have a cool example for this. So right before I manifested my dream job on Wall Street, I was working at a different financial institution, but in a position that I just really wasn't happy with. And the the I, I studied a lot of Abraham Hicks. And so I remember coming across this very specific audio on if you hate the job that you are in right now, you will never be a vibrational match to your dream job. So what you have to do is find reasons um, that you're grateful or thankful for this current job. And I started doing that and two months, everything changed. I'm so thankful that I met these people along my journey. I'm so thankful that this current income is supporting me. I'm thankful for these new skills that I've learned that I'm going to take to you know, my next place or, you know, really extracting as much goodness as you can, it hacks your vibration. And then now you are a frequency match to the thing that you really desire. Mm -hmm. And to go down another hypothetical rabbit hole, 
part of me wants to stay away from this, this hypothetical, <laughs> but the other part of me says, you know, we like to push the boundaries and trigger people. So let's go for let's it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, after I ask the question, I'm going to leave it up to you to actually answer it. So feel free to okay. push back or whatever, but I'm trying to think of this in like the most extreme way possible, because in my mind, if you can amplify something at the extremes, it really kind of shows you where the truth lies or how much truth can lie in this. And given how we started this conversation, I think you're the perfect person to go down this rabbit hole. So what if we were to turn back the clock, let's say 300, 400 years ago, when slavery was coming into America and people were getting taken as slaves, as horrific as that was, the tyranny, the, you know, the awfulness of it, how would you be able to almost shift that perspective of, of course, you know, in my opinion, of course, nobody wants to be a slave. So how, how do you, how in the worst of situations, I guess is my question, make that transition to be, to find that, that one glimmer of hope or that one glimmer of gratitude for your situation. So is your question, if someone was, if someone were in a state of slavery, how would they manifest themselves out of slavery? Is that essentially I the question? I guess that's the question. I don't think it's going to apply to anyone who's listening to this podcast. Sure. But <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> if, if we could go back in time. Hypothetically. Um, so I actually really like this question. Um, and what I'm f- actually feeling called to address first is soul contracts, understanding that all of our ancestors had these soul contracts to have these experiences with each other. So that's why they were ignorant to the information that we are now privy to about being the creators of our reality. However, if at that point in time, this level of awareness was accessible, I think the main thing would be uh, recognizing that you are the creator of your reality. So a huge realization that happened for me was that victims and oppressors attract each other because they are on the same vibration. It's like a bully on an elementary school playground. They're going to bully the person who allows it. They're going to bully the person Mm. who they can dominate because for whatever reason, this person lacks security or whatever, and is going to allow that to take place. It's just a reflection. So the moment I recognize that any state of victimization was going to attract even an experience of racism in my reality. Um, It just became more so of a game that I was choosing not to play. So even in my current experience, racism is a game that I don't choose to play. I don't wake up in the morning thinking about who's going to do something to me because I'm black and I'm going to be And I'm disempowered. I don't live my life that way. And because I don't think that way, I don't attract those reflections who are then doing things that I would perceive to be racist, right? I get everything that I need directly from source, God, creator, the universe. So I don't care how other lower level consciousness beings would perceive me based on skin color. It just, it doesn't exist in my personal matrix. That's really fascinating. So I feel like whenever hmm, I'm trying to think of where to go with this because I'm trying to think of what like the general mainstream way of thinking is. So like, I guess this pushback is coming from there, right? Is that it still does exist, but based on the way you're replying, 
Would it not exist if people chose to unsubscribe from that way of thinking? This episode of Traveling to Consciousness is brought to you by Conscious Technologies, LLC. Talk about an aligned company name. This company creating technology that will revolutionize the way that humanity is able to resonate or vibrate with the electromagnetic frequency of your phone, of your Wi-Fi router, of the light bulbs in your house, of really anything. What they do is they have created these amazing minerals, amazing units that you can either place on the back of your phone, you can wear it as a necklace, or they even have like little in-house generators, if you will, that can unify the entire field of an entire house. I've experienced these things in person and I unequivocally can tell you that it does something and it helps you feel more present, more calm, and more connected to the spiritual dimension, if you will. And I highly recommend that you also check out episode number 034, where I actually talked to one of the co-founders and it blew my mind away. One of my favorite episodes where we actually get into how he creates it, why it's created. And, you know, if this wasn't enough of a sell for you, go check out that episode because I know that it will sell you after that. Conscious Technologies, LLC, harmonizing the planet one person at a time. This episode of Traveling to Consciousness is brought to you by Revive CBD. Now I know what you're thinking, another CBD product. And typically I would completely agree with you. I've gone through all my trials and tribulations with CBD products, but this CBD cream is unlike anything else. Honestly, I don't know what it is, but there's something in the technology of it that it helps absorb into your skin and actually get to the place that aches and soothes your muscles almost instantaneously. It's close to instant. It's probably about a five to 10 minute activation that I've noticed, but sometimes it goes a little bit quicker. And so I know it can be difficult for the find the right one. And this was my personal favorite that I had found after long enough. (laughs) I don't want to go back to that dark time, but I found it. It works amazing. And the creator of it is an incredible guy. So I highly recommend you click the sponsors link below, click on the revive CBD tab and get yours today. Revive CBD, feel better, live better, all premium, all natural CBD products precisely it's a it's a collective and it's not just on the topic of racism either it's like so many other things um what we're experiencing as a collective exist in this collective dream state because we're all subscribing to to it we're fueling it we're feeding it mainly based out of unawareness so i think the more people who did see themselves in this way that i'm sharing they would one by one start unsubscribing from that collective reality and create their own individual reality. So it's a choice. However, I do want to say our soul will allow us to have certain experiences for certain lessons. And I also understand that I'm speaking from a very, very radical place. And some people need to have the journey of like slowly coming into this, right? So for some people, they need to be at marches or they need to be rallying against something. They, they, that's the role that they're playing within the game. So yeah, just wanted to say that because it's not like it's my way or the highway. I'm just saying like, for me, this is what it has been, but I understand um, all roles are valid and true. I I think that's a super important point to touch on for at least a second, which is, and I've, (laughs) I've started to kind of come around this to myself is like when you see someone making like the same mistake over and over again, 
you know, your ability to recognize that mistake and then help them is kind of a interesting dilemma because there's a part of you that's like, I just want to tell them, I just want to fix it for them so that they can, you know, mm-hmm. see the other side. But then there's another part where you got to kind of take a step back and think to yourself like, well, maybe this is for their better self. Maybe they need to get through this on their own. And so it invites in this interesting dance, if you will, of, Mm -hmm. you know, how much do I actually do for them? How much do I actually just show them the way that there is or how much of it is like if they want to come to me with the problem and be like, hey, I'll answer the question, but you got to ask the question for me to give you an answer. 100% I agree. I like to believe that the intelligence of someone's soul knows what they are ready for beyond what my limited awareness can understand in the moment. And even in my business, I have a thing where I allow the universe to bring to me who's ready for me. I don't uh, force myself on people. I don't force my information on people. It's simply you're a frequency match and you're ready to expand into more or not. And either way, I see the beauty in all of it. So the, it, it's really a win-win scenario. Well, I'm, I'm happy that you found your way onto the podcast because I know we've got a bunch <laughs> of listeners who are ready to expand. Yes. <laughs> Myself absolutely. included. Yeah. Vibration. We were a vibrational match, right? <laughs> it's beautiful. And I think yes. this is kind of a funny parallel, right? Because I remember when we talked at the at our like meet and greet a couple months ago, you were mm-hmm. talking about like Palladian. It was it wasn't Palladians. It was Arcturian, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You were, you were like, oh, I think you're I think you're Arcturian, and I kind of like looked it up, and I there was definitely a lot of parallels from like technological to the way that they work within society. Mm-hmm. So aware. So and this is another interesting thing that I've always been curious about is. You know, I think in that conversation too, I was like, I, I think I'm, it was something else. Oh, Palladian, which we briefly discussed yeah, or like, yeah. and I've, and I've had these weird kind of, let's say pools towards different star seed clusters, uh, Orion, Syrian. Is there like a generic way? Like, is it, is it just one, like you, you resonate with one or is there a possibility that you've incarnated as different ones or is it kind of just like which one gravitates towards you the most or the most incarnations that you've chose? <laughs> like what, mm-hmm. what is your, what have you channeled through about star seeds and how that whole crazy system works? That's a great question because be, I think because this galactic information is still so fresh and new for us saying I'm this particular star seed is like so, was sort of like the easiest way to convey this information, but your soul has had so many different experiences, which is why you may be feeling pulled in different directions. So, like when I say I'm an Arcturian star seed, it doesn't mean that I've only ever lived an Arcturian life. It's so a few things that life is most relevant to what I'm doing now, hmm. and as a soul, I have chosen those beings to be my main teachers, masters, and guides while I'm in this incarnation. So that's one way that it can work. Why a certain group might uh, reveal themselves to you and, and you're, you're a Pleiadian starseed. Um, or you've had just more lifetimes in general, um, a part of that collective. And so as a soul, 
you are more so in resonance with their vibration. So there are like so many different ways as to how someone ends up being like more connected to one group than another. But I know for me specifically, my most recent lifetime, and I guess it's also a parallel lifetime, um, was on the Arcturian Council. And so as a soul, I'm still on that council. I'm still doing that work. And these were the beings that I chose to be my sort of guardians, if you will, for the the mission work that I'm here doing. But I also have lifetimes um, as a Syrian. So that energy, um, Andromedan, I'm also very connected to the Lyrans. I actually started, my soul started out in Lyra. So you see, it's very expansive. <laughs> it's multidimensional. Oh man, there's a lot of dimensions out there. Yes. And and you're, I think just so we can back it up a little, I feel like we pivoted real quick into the, <laughs> right into the galactic, galactic stuff. stuff. I don't know why that happened, but that was just a pivot that they wanted to get out there. This was something, I don't remember if you told me it, I don't know if I saw it on your Instagram page, but you kind of came into your channel or your contact with the extra realm of existence, the galactic realm, the astral realm, whatever realm we want to call it. You came into that during your awakening, right? So, and then I think you also mentioned that you were like kind of keeping it on the down low for a while until recently? So coming off of that psychedelic experience, I shared um, my psychic gifts were sort of blown wide open. So I could communicate directly with my higher self, directly with source, what I perceived to be angelic beings. But at the time, even the galactic piece for me it's like I knew these beings were out there, but it just didn't click that I was one of them or they were communicating with me until leading up to COVID and really in the middle of COVID is like when it really started to get stronger and stronger, I felt a different type of presence around me where I would just find myself thinking about extraterrestrials like on a different level. Um and for years, I would joke about being from a different planet and, you know, things like that. So it was always there, but never in a million years that I think these people, beings, were going to show up on my doorstep, so to speak. So when it happened, it, I'm pretty sure you can relate to this. It's like something you're thinking about, something that you believe is probably true. But then if it's if when it like actually reveals itself you're like, holy shit, this is like real. This is actually happening to me. So yeah. Yeah. It takes a second for it to like settle. It takes a s- <laughs> yeah, definitely. You're like, but I've, then I've been joking about in. this for years. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I've been joking. joking about this. I, it was honestly very, very surreal. And it happened through me um, actually going or being guided and led to a galactic channeler. And I get into this session and this person goes, oh, hey, I have the Arcturian Council and these other beings here, and they've been trying to get in touch with you. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> but then it just all unlocked. Like, I just remembered. That's wild. Yeah. And it was from the LSD that unlocked it, or was it something else down the road? Well, no, the galactic piece didn't fully sink in until I saw or went to another galactic channeler who told me because I had been feeling like something uh. else was going on with me. And then so, you know, how the universe works or your guides work, they aligned you with the right person to get what you need. So I ended up 
again, stumbling into something that I had no clue what I was getting myself into. And then I'm in this session and it's, oh, hey, all these galactic beings are here. They've been trying to get in touch with you. And then in that moment, because they it also came with like a series of light language activations and things that they needed to do on me and healings and clearings. And then I was in full alignment with the mission and remembering, oh, okay, I see how this is all connected. That's wild. That also must be a pretty, it must be a pretty like ground, I don't want to say grounding, but so where I'm thinking of this is in terms of people like not knowing why they're here, what they're supposed to do here, asking the bigger question of like, what's the purpose of their life. And yet it seems that you found this, I guess you didn't find it. You kind of, you, you did the inner work, you did the soul searching to find this now resonant alignment of actually finding the answer to that question of like, what's your life purpose? hundred mm-hmm. percent. I think coming into what I would say was one layer of my purpose. So with this dream of working on wall street, coming into that so early gave me something to work towards. Like, um, I think it's Napoleon Hill who says you, everybody needs to have a chief aim and a burning desire. And because I had those things, that momentum, that energy, that intention carried me through a lot of experiences. Um, so I didn't have to spend too much time wondering, you know, what am I here to do? I had this thing that was actually fueling me. So even when things were really challenging in my life, whether it was with money or like these other things, um, that having that fuel really did keep me going of knowing ultimately, okay, I know eventually I'm here to share all of this stuff. So I just got to keep going. But you knew that it wasn't the right time. You knew that it was down the road. And that was confusing. Cause I, while I I had this truth, I didn't know how it was going to happen. I didn't know when. So actually at the time, I was thinking that I was going to be this huge Wall Street icon. And then I would share with everybody that it was my spirituality that helped me, you know, I don't know, <laughs> become one on Forbes as a top money. Like I just, I didn't really know how it was going to happen, but subconsciously was still working towards a goal of, I will be teaching people spirituality. However it happens, my goal is to teach spirituality. That's pretty wild. And at the time of this, did you have anybody in your life that was also spiritually inclined to talk about these things? I managed to, so I had this mini period of time after graduating college where I built up a bit of Twitter fame and hype. Long story short, like a year after I had to delete it because I started working for a major institution and they're like, this, you cannot share things like this. <laughs> you cannot just be posting things publicly. Um, but during that time, I attracted a lot of soul family who I'm still friends with to this day. And also my best friend at the time, she was sort of, we were going through our spiritual awakening at the same time. So having that, someone that I could just be funny with and just like obnoxiously ridiculous about how we couldn't stand earth and things like that. It really, really did, um, help me tremendously. That's so cool. What, so what was this whole Twitter drama thing? How'd that happen? 
so at the time, um, because I didn't have any restrictions on me, I, I was teaching spirituality. I was sharing things. I was talking about the government and election. So at the time, it was mm. a really big deal because I want to say Trump was running. And I was coming out as a black person basically saying like, well, I'm not a Democrat. I'm not saying I'm a Republican. And I actually kind of like Trump's attitude. I was saying things that were like really rocking the boat. Yeah, you it, can't do that. It, it built <laughs> up a lot of um, attention. But then once I sort of, you know, actualized this dream of working for a big institution, they're just like all, you, no, like absolutely not. And so I sort of um, went off the grid off of social media until I started doing this work. Um, and during that time when I wasn't able to express myself, it was very challenging for me, like on a soul level, I just felt like it's almost like I felt like I was giving into that matrix program of like, don't say anything, be quiet, just go to work, make the money, the, you know? So that was tough. That was definitely yeah, tough. How would that kind of come across with like the spirit guys and everything too? Because I, like you're saying, I can only imagine you, you're being told to silence your voice, right? You're being told Basically, that you can't say these exactly things. what that was. Yes. You know, it was more so of a recalibration because, again, I needed the lessons of, of what I learned on Wall Street. So my guides, my spirit team never looked at it as you're missing out on something. And actually what happened was as I uh, became more spiritually mature, I recognized that the way that I was teaching a lot of things before were still being filtered through ego. And so the way that I share information now is even totally different um, than how I used to rock the boat. <laughs> mm. So it, it all worked out as it needed to work out. Looking back on it, I needed to um, have a, a bit of a time out there for <laughs> <in> recalibration. <laughs> They were like, uh, Aaron, I don't think you're ready yet to be yeah, not ready. <laughs> blown up on um, social media. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we need to fix this. You keep you keep bringing up, too, that you learned some lessons working on Wall Street. What were the big ones that you encountered? Well, um, so much. A lot around the victimhood piece, but having that play out in real time where you are dealing with people who are extremely egotistical, narcissistic, selfish, like because I was, I became quite successful at how I would attract clients, older financial advisors would want to partner with me, but then they would also want to prey on the fact that I was a younger advisor. So there were many different scenarios like that where uh, people would try to steal clients from me or steal money from me or um, like steal the assets under management and, and that type of thing. And I just had to keep affirming to myself that I wasn't the victim, basically. It sounds like the culture there almost incites that type of energy. Definitely. It changes from institution. So I'm not going to say names, but the first very Wall Street place that I worked at was very sharky. Very, I mean, what you see in movies, that is what it was. But there was almost this element for me on a soul level of this is thrilling. This is exciting. I'm sort of like an undercover 
matrix buster, if you will. Like all these things are going on around me and I can see how somebody would be disempowered. But because of the awareness that I have, I know that I'm not. So let me show them that I'm just going to keep winning. So it, it was like that dynamic for me. Um, as a person of color and also as a woman, I will say I experienced more sexism than racism. Um, this episode of Traveling to Consciousness is brought to you by Buzzsprout. And now this ad is for any of my fellow podcasters out there, or even if you're starting to think about a podcast or creating one, a key that you need to know is that you got to put your audio somewhere Then you need someone or something to distribute that audio. And Buzzsprout is by far the best option that I have found to get your audio put out on all of the mainstream directories like Apple podcast, Spotify, Amazon, Google play store, all of them iHeartRadio, you name it. I have been able to be featured on over 18 different podcast platforms because of how easy Buzzsprout makes it to integrate and host your audio on these sites. And honestly, I think I'm hosted on even more than that, but that's all that they'll tell me is it's over 18. And they have great software to track where your episodes are being downloaded, how many downloads you're getting, and so much more. Guys, I highly recommend it for anyone who is starting or interested in starting a podcast. So please go check the sponsors link down in the bottom of the show notes. Scroll down once you get there, go to Buzzsprout, click on the link, and I want you to start hosting, start your podcast because we need more. It's amazing. Buzzsprout podcast hosting made easy. So yeah, that was, that was my experience with that. Lots of lessons. Yeah. And it's super fascinating to me as well. And this is kind of something as I've been reevaluating my relationship with money is the people who we perceive to be in charge of money. I, I know it's not the people on wall street who are, but they, there's almost this veil of illusion that they are in charge of the money. And it seems like there's also this energy that you're even articulating that I've kind of thought of before, but you've actually lived it yourself, that there is that scarcity mentality, even in the most financially rich institutions Mm -hmm. in America and Mm -hmm. probably the world. Well, no, not the world, but America for sure. (laughs) So uh, have you, been able to see either energetically or through that job, how this, this scarcity mentality plaguing the biggest, some of the bigger institutions in America has bled onto society and created this scarcity mentality around money, where this is the energetic way to become financially abundant. What I'll say is People who are managing money, that is just their job, right? They, they still have metrics and uh, like these performance metrics and hurdles and things they need to meet that are very aggressive. And so when you have that type of energy over you, that's going to bring out the scarcity in anybody. That's going to bring out that survival instinct in, in anybody. And so one of the cool things for me was being able to spend time around these people that most of society would look at as, you know, it's just an inherited belief. These are bad people, you know, they're controlling everything and they're uh, keeping money from everybody else. Like these people are just working for the institution. They have families and bills and fears and expenses, just like you do. They're just working at the institution and connecting with them beyond the 
the job title is what opened my heart up to um, recognizing that we're all victims of the matrix. Whether you perceive someone to be making a lot of money or not, um, the programming can cause a lot of different distortions. Like there are people who make tons of money and they made so much money that they're afraid of losing it. I saw that as well. You have these top performers that are doing so well and still they want to take a client from me. Why is that? It's because the matrix program is uh, running behind the scenes. So there really is no difference between um, anyone who hasn't yet awakened to who they really are. That's fascinating. It's almost like it's somehow embedded at this. I, I don't want to call it higher level, but this like different level of energy, right? That is mm -hmm. almost orchestrating the way that it gets played out on this physical reality. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll even share a massive download from the Arcturians literally on my last day of working at um, like the most recent institution that I worked at. Because the way that I saw that whole experience for years was that I was having fun, right? I mastered the matrix. I, I wasn't a slave to it, a victim to it. I was just creating my reality. The fifth dimensional version of um, these institutions and these experiences. However, while that's true, what they showed me was that all of my soul's energy and that pure frequency vibration was still fueling an institution that wasn't in resonance with what we would call a higher vibration. So leaving that and creating my own thing was going to give me much more abundance than what I could ever create within those walls and within those barriers and limitations. Because as long as I was there, I could never publicly have conversations like this. So I had to let go of the success that I created, but to more be more fully in resonance with creating change. It's reminding me, I just saw an Instagram video of this where it's like, the you need to be able to like restart your climb up the mountain in order to get to like a higher peak. You know, people climb all exactly. the way to the top of a mountain and then they see a higher peak, but don't want to go all the way back down to the bottom mm -hmm. in order to get to that, that newer height. Yes. Because my mind, my ego wanted to think who would walk away from this? Like you're making all of this money. You're, you've attained this position that so many people would just die to have like so many people are working to literally be in this position and at this specific institution and who just walks away from that and on top of that you've manifested like at this point a great team great colleagues they're practically begging to give you more money but they had to show me the bigger picture of yes you've done a great job of alchemizing the density back into love but that vibration is still going to be fueling something that is no longer in resonance with, you know, this, the new earth timelines that you are truly here to um, help engineer and create. So in seeing the bigger picture, I was able to release those experiences, knowing that I wasn't, um, whatever abundance I created there, I wasn't leaving there. It was going to come with me and be more. <laughs> it takes a lot of confidence to do that or to know that. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. It was interesting. 
explaining that to my partner as well. Because <laughs> as all of this was going down, um, I was in a, in a relationship. Okay. Yeah. And so they're like probably thinking you're slightly crazy, but I would assume at that point that you'd have been able to have these kinds of conversations with your partner at that time or. Yeah, definitely. But I remember like sitting my boyfriend down and I'm like, you know, I think I've been talking about it for months because I had this date. I'm like six months, this date, I'm like, I'm leaving. But as it got closer and closer, and I mean like a month away, I'm like, you know, in a month, I'm leaving and I'm going to be doing this other work full time. And so he's like, are you going to be able to pay your bills and like things like that? But I don't know. It was just interesting because he was aware of the financial success and, you know, money I already had saved and even money I was already making in my spiritual business. But again, it's the programming, right? We we're so afraid of losing, um, losing that security sure. so that was challenging for me to be in a relationship with someone who didn't fully get it but he ultimately ended up getting on board and he is on board now so that's all that matters right yeah <laughs> uh, so then shifting it back slightly to when you were with the institution you're surrounded by all these people that are in this scarcity mentality how do you keep yourself separate from that energy invading your personal space, invading your energetic frequency. Like, is there, was there energy work you were doing or is there some sort of mentality to, to keep your <clears throat> energetic alignment <throat> in the face of all that scarcity mindset? So just to clear this up, everyone was not operating in scarcity. I mean, cell, because we were essentially in cells, cells in itself can bring out scarcity in people but this level of i'm just gonna say success that i was surrounded by was not from people who were operating in scarcity these were some of the in terms of people creating their reality whether they're consciously aware of it or not these were some of the best manifestors i've ever seen um what i will say is some of them were unaware of energetically how they were already embodying uh, some of the concepts that we talk about in the spiritual community. Now, some people were operating in scarcity in terms of like competition and, you know, being driven by their ego and that type of thing. But being in this environment is actually what allowed me to shift my money frequency, if we will, if we will very, very fast. Because what happens is when you're surrounded by people who like normalize wealth, um, it imprints on you. So talking about a hundred thousand dollars became like talking about $10 or talking about $10 million became like talking about $1 million. It's, it's just the environment. It's just the attitude you sort of cultivate in that space. Um, so yeah, just to put that into perspective more. Gotcha. And that's, that certainly has to be a very valuable linguistical mindset shift to kind of get yourself into where if like there's a complete di different energetics behind stressing about $10 versus $10 million and to be in that different space of having that viewpoint. And this was kind of something that I even tried to start shifting my mind around, which was, you know, am I going to do this $2,000 course? And it's like, well, your goal is 
you know, to be making $10,000. So is a $2,000 course really that much money if the end goal right. is going to get you 10K? And so I feel like that's kind of an interesting thing to kind of get yourself at or get to if you're not, or even if you are surrounded by people who are speaking in that type of language. Mm-hmm. And it all has to do with, so in finance, we have this theology of calculated risk and learning how to not solely focus on what you could lose, which is what most people do and focus on what you could potentially gain. So looking at the upside. So through me wanting to be a part of this culture and, you know, manifest this dream job, I learned to always focus on the upside, but within reason. So it doesn't mean, you know, blindly invest $2,000 into a course that energetically you can feel for whatever reason it's out of alignment, but it's okay. Well, if I lose this $2,000, will I be okay with that? It's that risk, risk loss tolerance, right? Exactly. That's interesting. And I assume that's something that you still work with in your courses today. In terms of helping other people to, you know, come into abundance or money or wealth. Oh, sure. On, on uh, spending. I like to call this the balance between releasing and receiving. So with money, people are only afraid to release it because they don't believe that it's going to return. But mm. This is actually how people create debt as well. If I'm spending money that I don't believe can be replenished, then eventually I'm going to run out of money. But if I'm spending money that I trust and know will be replenished, then I'm going to experience a surplus. So it's it's all energetic when it comes to money and how much of it you can hold and create in your life. That's also interesting because I've heard of money kind of being this, you know, it's more of a masculine energy and you need to be a container for money for it to flow in. <laughs> Are you laughing because that's legit or not legit? No, no, I'm laughing because it's like, so, you know, this thing in the coaching industry where like people keep saying like the same things, you know, and it's like every coach says the same thing and, you know, you need to create and hold. So I'm just laughing at that. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like to me, you're more on the side of just being in alignment and it'll come. It's already just overthinking it by saying that it's this, you need to be a container and allow it to come in. I just think it's not that complicated. It goes back to what I was saying about, I never focused on money. And I still don't. I don't ever sit down and say, okay, universe, I want to have a 50K month or an 80K month and let's energetically strategize around that. I focus on creating things that I love. I focus on impact and that contains the vibrational essence that's going to make me a magnet for money. So I just simplify things because I don't know. I just think when you're getting really specific on manifestations, what happens is you actually end up becoming more attached. So then if you don't have that 50K month, now you're upset. Now you feel like you're not good enough. Now you feel like you're not the best manifester. But what if energetically the people who would have flowed into that course are just not ready this month, but maybe next month they'll be ready. So I just don't get attached and I let the universe bring me people when it's in highest resonance. So then with that being said, 
I know I've seen things about people being like general manifestors or specific manifestors. Do you think that's legit or do you think that that's just another yeah, label? I think, I think that's legit. I think um, it depends on where you are in your journey. So in my manifestation journey, I started out being a specific manifester. And I think that's actually important because it goes back to what I was saying earlier about being able to see and track the wins. Like I wanted this, I had this intention and it happened. But then you get to a point where you expand outside of that game and it doesn't have the same appeal you know when you don't have anything that you want it's very appealing to learn how to get very specific things that you want and then when you start getting very specific things what happens is you can start to recognize that even those things don't mean happiness like this is why so many people that we see as being successful um, I'll just use like celebrities and things of such as an example. And you're like, how is that person still miserable? Because it never was about the specific, these specific things. So um, it just depends on where you are in your journey. But I would say go, go between both. Like I do both. Sometimes it's specific. Most of the times now it's general, but either way it, it still works. Cause that's always what's really interesting is, people who on the surface level seem to have it all and yet are still unhappy. And it does seem like there is that correlation that they have mentally made that once I get this thing, I'll be happy. Once this happens, I'll be happy. And yet by putting that out there, it almost is like this catch 22 because maybe you identify with that being happy and you're happy for half a second. And then once that novelty of that new thing wears off, yeah. it's like, okay, now where do I need to place my happiness next? It's ego-based manifestation versus soul-based manifestation. When you are manifesting from your soul, it's more so about the joy of the experience of creating something because we are creators. So I like to call this creating from completion. As a being, I am already whole, fulfilled, and complete. None of these experiences here are going to give me something that I don't already have. It's just me experiencing my own energy. I'm just experiencing the energy of God, the possibility with within God. So it's already a part of me. But if we're operating in ego-based manifestation, it's when I get that thing, then I will be fulfilled and complete. So this is how the manifestation movement has actually been, in, in my opinion, um, or how my guides explain it to me, hijacked a little bit, like playing on the desires of that people have that are implanted desires from the matrix and not actually from their soul. I feel like I kind of saw that with the law of attraction. Cause I, and I think a lot of attraction yes. is probably like the first thing that people come to aware of. And that always kind of sat funny with me because it's like this weird thing where it's like, well, if you're always in this attraction energy that you're <laughs> never technically going to have it. Cause it's always just being attracted. It's never actually going to get here. Yeah. Or like always focusing on getting the next thing. Like, when are you ever going to just be content? When you decide, right? It's kind of where you yeah. get to, right? It's just like it's when just, you decide. It's an endless loop of trying to get things outside of yourself. And that can be a huge reality shattering thing when you've been like on this, uh, hooked on this manifestation hype 
for a long time. And then it kind of comes crashing down. You're like, oh, well, I'm still playing into this game of lack. And like, really, I'm still attached. And then because I think the ego just is so afraid of not having anything. <laughs> so it's like, if, I, if I'm not attached to these things and I don't try to manifest things, then I won't have anything. But the actual opposite thing happens where you become so full that you become a magnet for things on autopilot. It really is kind of crazy how that happens is like once you actually start saying to yourself like, okay, we're good. We don't need anything. The universe is yeah. like, all right, well here, then I'll give you more. Exactly. And it's interesting. I've seen that time and time again. I, I think the most legitimate one that I've always seen, and I, probably because I'm a man, like this is like one of the things you think about is like with women, right? Is like when you decide you don't need a woman or another woman, that's when they all kind of like, that's always been the most physically observant to myself is like whenever it's always just came in and it's like, it's this crazy effect of like those who have some more shall be given. And it's a weird compounding thing that just, it seems to happen in every aspect of life. That's such a great example. When we're obsessing over someone giving us attention and we're like, why aren't they into me? Why aren't they into me? And then the moment it clicks where it's like, you know what, you know, I'm over it and them. Then all of a sudden here, this person comes and it's because you weren't repelling them with this needy energy because need is the vibration of lack. If I need something, I'm implying that I don't have it. So I'm only going to keep re-manifesting the experience of me needing this thing. So I would need to shift into a state of having or fulfillment or, and that's basically what we do when we're like, I'm over this person. We shift into fulfillment. I find it so wild that it even happens just at like this subconscious behavioral level. I know like you can, you could pick it up even just off of a text message, which it, it like blows my mind. Cause there's like, Oh yeah. Like if somebody's just being eating with you, you can, yeah. you feel exact. You feel that energy. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know what it is. It's like you could, and it's, it's like, it's something deeper than the words in a sense, because it's, you could take this and give it to someone else and say the exact same thing. But whether it's the timing of it, whether it's the way that I have a mental construction of who you are, it's almost independent of it because it's like you can just feel it in the text of like, all right, like I know where this is coming from. Like, we'll just step past this or something. So here's my theory. I think that we are all attracted to people who are confident, who are healthy, who are successful, like all of these things, because that is true alignment. So we're we're attracted to the frequency of alignment. And so if somebody's coming off in a certain way, what we're feeling is the misalignment within themselves, which is why it repels us. Mm. And that even kind of goes back into what we were talking about earlier with, oh, where were we? Oh, the true alignment, becoming an alignment. Something with alignment. (laughs) With the need, with neediness and. I lost it. It'll come Um, back. back. Give it a couple minutes. It'll find its way back (laughs) into the conscious, the conscious mind. But it's just, it's a very, it's a very fascinating thing, right? Because it's, it, it seems like this energy that we at least can acknowledge and see within other human beings. But then whenever it comes to something inanimate or hypothetically inanimate, like money, 
we for some reason don't think that the same laws apply to it. That's so true. What I find through all of my life's lessons, it's always a different variation of the same lesson. On some level, it has to do with attachment. It has to do with being self-fulfilled. It has to do with total self-acceptance or acceptance of like, it's all the same thing, but because we have these different buckets or categories, we think, oh no, there's like a different twist to getting this thing, but it really is all the same thing, whether it's a relationship or money or clients in your business, like whatever it is, it's all connected on some level. It's it's so funny how it's literally the same lesson over and over and over again in different ways. Have you ever noticed that that's like the same thing with all great movies as well? Oh yeah. It's like the same hero story or plot or it, but we love watching that because we I think we're just so enamored with hope. Hmm. What type of hope? Hope that we can fulfill that truth? Like this constant reminder that what we're looking for does exist. Because when you're in the middle of an experience, like you're knee deep in that experience, and it feels like it's permanent and it's never going to end, and you're craving that alignment, that reconnection, anything that gives you a glimpse of what we translate as alignment is what we're looking for. It's like when I stumbled into that first LSD experience, I recognized that my entire life, what I was looking for was this unconditional love of God, source, the creator, the universe. So I think in all things that we do, that is the main reconnection and alignment that we're looking for. That's driving whether we're being needy or, um, whether we're being uh, have this scarcity attitude in a sales job because we're trying to perform like we all just want love in the end. And that seems like when they say like transitioning into 5d consciousness, right? It, it seems like that that's the end goal is to find love in every single aspect of our lives. And it it's even more so super fascinating from regards of what we're talking about, where, I've had friends who pull all the girls in the world, but then they can't get their finances in order. And, and so it, it seems as if like from a 3d level, well, from a 3d level, you have no clue what is going on. You're just programmed into it. But then almost from a 4d level, you're accessing either this love or abundance energy in one aspect of your life, but aren't aware that you're cutting that, energy off in different avenues of your life. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's almost, I guess in my mind, and please correct me if I'm wrong, if you think it's a different way, it's almost that you need to get into the energetic alignment of abundance in regards to relationships, money, you know, whatever. But at the same time, if you can just stay in that abundance of or that energy of abundance no matter what the world throws at you then it should be just perpetually giving you more and more and more of everything mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i'm thinking of something really amazing that abraham hicks says which is if 
five things in your life are going well or going great and you focus on this sixth thing that is not, you'll ruin the other five of them. Or if one thing is going great in your life and you focus on that one thing, everything else will then sort itself out because the frequency itself is rippling through all of your experiences, which is why the general manifestation we talked about ends up being the most powerful because you're not operating in attachment and you're being content and fulfilled and just generally a happy, abundant person. Yeah. Yeah. I totally get that. It's so, it's so fascinating how you can just find that way to just get pro. And do you think that's a part of the programming then, or maybe just a part of the human experience that we traditionally seek out the negative aspect? And I, I, cause I even read a book that was talking about how to kind of create great things. And he says in it, I'll give it a shout out. It's uh, Alex Harmozy, a hundred million dollar offer. Not sure if you're familiar with him. Uh, highly recommend it. Okay. Uh, and so he talks about in one aspect of the book to focus on what you don't want and then figure out every way to, how did he say it? So if you like want to be rich, focus on how you be poor and then focus on every single thing to become poor and then just do the opposite of that. Because we're mm-hmm. like really good at finding the negatives and what we don't yes, like. Yes, yes, yes. So think about the opposite of what you desire then do the opposite of that thing. I love that. So how I teach this concept is people focus on their worst case scenario as opposed to the best case scenario. Right. This is also where things get quantum. And like when you you can expand into the fifth dimensional perception, which is everything is simultaneously available. Like, yes, today could go horribly off awfully wrong and everything could just be shit but but that's just one possibility that's available to me but then i have this best possible case scenario um where everything everything amazing could happen but we're so programmed to just automatically assuming the worst right and so to use your example what would you need to do hypothetically to have the worst day ever I don't exercise. I don't eat. I don't drink water. I don't have a good podcast. I don't post on my Instagram. I don't do anything to make money. And then you just take all those things and flip them. And it's like, okay, to have a great day, go exercise, <laughs> water. You know, and so that you can like just find it so simply mm-hmm, instead of mm-hmm. thinking, because you think like, what would I need to do to have the best day ever? And you're like, fuck, that's a difficult question. But if you flip it on its head, it, yeah. it like solves itself. This is, I want to speak on masculine energy for a bit because I think people are, have been so like anti-masculine and masculine energy is a huge part of manifestation and just making life decisions in general. Like you need both of these masculine and feminine energies to work together. So something I used to do as a wealth advisor was I would take my annual goal for the year. Let's say if it's like, okay, Aaron, this year you need to raise $10 million or something like that. I would go, okay, well, if I break that goal down on a monthly basis, this is what that 
should at least look like. And then break that monthly goal down to, okay, on a weekly basis, this is the activity that would be needed, like the some of the things you just need to do to um, get that energy moving. And I think a lot of people are missing the, the practical steps sometimes when it comes to actualization. And I'm huge on that because I even see this word of hard work being like something we're forbidden to use now in the spiritual spiritual community, but I want to be honest with people, I have worked hard in my life, but it has been through passion and devotion to things that were important to me. So it didn't feel like work. So it didn't carry the same vibration of like, you know, a toxic masculine program. Um, but it doesn't mean that action is not needed. And it can also be deeply satisfying to work on something that you love, to stay up all night working on this idea or putting your energy into something. It's just the consciousness from which you're doing those things. Mm. And so where was, real quick, I might've spaced out, but where was the masculine aspect whenever you were talking about like that planning from like the, the monthly big picture, or was it kind of this breakdown that you were talking about where if you have a monthly goal, break it down into weeks. The, so the breakdown, because you were talking about, you know, if I don't exercise or drink water and like these different things, and I would just need to flip that to do those things. And it made me think about masculine energy because action is a part of this experience. Like you need to do those things to have a good day, right? You would need to wake up, physically go move your body, um, physically go walk to the fridge to get, like, it's just a part of it. And I think um, sometimes there are people who spend too much time on the energetic side of like, I'm going to manifest myself into the body that I want or the diet, like it's going to require physical action. So for me, I've always used my masculine energy to take big goals and break them down to on a daily basis, what are very practical steps that I need to take. So by the time I look up on the end at the end of the year, it's like, oh, holy shit, we did that goal or we exceeded it, right? Because we are also using energetics. However, every day we weren't scrambling around trying to figure out, you know, what to do or it's just like the efficiency, I would say, that some people are lacking in everyday life. So you need to be grounded is essentially the message here. That's the core of concepts is to be grounded. Exactly. And I think this comes back to what we were discussing earlier with, you know, you need to become an alignment before you actually carry out that work, right? Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, not only is it quote unquote hard work, but it's disadvantageous work. You're not mm -hmm. making as quick of strides as you could. And so something that might energetically be able, you might have the energetic availability to get done in two steps, takes you 20 steps. I would argue from our conversation and even the converse, the podcast I referenced earlier is that you need to get into that place of alignment of abundance and then set the intention of what you're trying to do. And the universe can kind of bring in those two steps to get you to that place without having to go 50 different directions. Exactly. That's been my whole life where it's what we people would want to call luck, luck meeting the work, like paving the way for then the universe to come in with like this slam dunk. But it's like the universe is going to meet you 
um, there, it's going to meet you halfway, or there are going to be instances of divine intervention. However, you would at least have to have done certain things for that slam dunk to take place. You know what I mean? It's, it's like if someone was going to interview interview for a job, okay, did you update your resume? Did you come on time? Did you dress? Well? Okay, great. You did all of the things. Now that you're here, energetically, we can channel you the right things to say to help you slam duck and get that position, right? As long as you're like in alignment and you're flowing and everything's great. So it all matters, you know, the, the masculine, the feminine, doing, doing the action, also mastering the energetics. It's not one or the other. So, yeah. And even something that really, where I really, really, really see this in my life is when it comes to creating content. Like if I'm trying to force myself to create content because that's what I'm supposed to do today. And the social media gurus say you should at least post this many times. Like, and I do that. And it's like you said, it's counterproductive and I'm actually working against myself. And that content does not carry the same vibration. And then there are instances where I haven't posted in five days, but I get an inspiration and I post that and that goes super viral. So I didn't need to do this, you know, five-step proven formula from someone out there yeah <laughs> so yeah <laughs> i'm glad you figured that action. out yeah i'm glad you figured that out because it's that's something that i've seen in my life is kind of bs is this whole i i think again it, it comes down to just keep it stupid simple i i think it comes back to just have high quality content you know or the just it's the content right like what are you actually putting into this message you know and carry that vibration with you because if you're just putting out stuff that you barely believe in, don't even care about. Nobody's going to click it. Nobody's going to share it. Nobody's going to exactly. follow you. And so I, I think that the, here's where it gets interesting. I think the one key aspect, right, to give the devil his due is that putting out those posts consistently is it just does that, is it breeds the consistency. You don't kind of just show up and then mm. don't do it for a while because it, I think it's super useful if you're just getting started. You need to see what people like, sure. what people Structure what you're putting. And, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I've been speaking a lot this year about devotion. Like the energy of devotion is that you are so in alignment with something that it doesn't take me conscious effort to do something that I just want to do. So Mm. there might be times where I post every single day because I'm just so on fire and it feels good. But then there might come a period of rest where energetically I'm not feeling that inspiration because my body is telling me to rest. But it doesn't mean that I'm going to miss out on anything. And I think that's the kind of like the thing that people struggle with with their ego is they're believing that if they don't do these things, they're going to miss out. But if you stop believing that you're going to miss out and that the universe is going to continue to deliver as long as you're in alignment and you're moving in this devotion and you're consistent, um, you know, it's you're going to get what you want anyways. It just doesn't matter. Yeah, I think you touched on a huge, huge point there whenever you were talking about, like, taking that rest day. I know for me, I've. I, you called it toxic masculinity. I've kind of reworded it as wounded masculine. I think it does a yes, little bit. Yes, yes, yes. I think I it like does a little too. bit more. I have a I have a great podcast that I did with uh, a girl named Alina, episode forty six. For those interested, where 
we actually kind of broke down like masculine and feminine energies into mm-hmm. actually give toxic feminine and toxic masculine like their due because you're even talking about is like to- like I don't think that the word toxic does it justice. It almost puts it in this container and pushes it away. And I, I can't remember exactly how we broke it down, but it, we found two good adjectives for describing both of them. It was like it, controlled feminine was one of them. Mm. And wounded masculine was one. And then I know we broke them down into another thing where I was like, well, but there's like this and maybe suppressed. Maybe. Uh, I'd have to go back and listen to it, but, but the point though, to get back to is like that, that wounded nature, which we were talking about with the, what was it with the, uh, taking a rest day, because if you're just sitting in that masculine energy, it feels, and you come out of it, it feels so weird. Like sitting there doing nothing feels so uncomfortable. And I could talk Mm -hmm. to this better than anybody. Like, you know, I've gone weeks, months at a time working out 10 times a week. And like, you tell me to do nothing. It is, it's harder. Oh yeah. It's <laughs> it's harder than working out 10 times a week. It's so wild. And, but you need that. That was a huge thing for me walking away from my career, like in that world where there's continual pressure to perform and then being in my own business where I had all of this time and not feeling like there was uh, anything or anyone over my shoulder, I felt guilty when I wasn't doing anything. And I was trying to approach my business as if I was in the same sort of career. And what I learned is that even creating higher levels of money was going to require me with being comfortable with simply receiving without doing anything. And that is the biggest blockage also that people have when it comes to receiving money because we're all hardwired to believe, you know, this word earn, you look at the paycheck or the stub, what did you earn this month? But the universe doesn't require you to earn anything. It's all just uh, an energetic representation of energy that you've put into something. So I didn't start really making bigger money or experiencing bigger money in my business until I was 100% comfortable with having days where I needed to rest. Because as long as I was just go, go, go every single moment, like you're literally, I would literally sit in my house like I was in a nine to five and be afraid to like walk away from the laptop or anything because the wiring was so strong. The conditioning was so strong. Um definitely something to that all of us have to continue to challenge and explore which is crazy and and something that kind of flashed in whenever you were talking about that was kind of the area like if we're going to push out this abundance right if we're going to just be this abundance and just push it out you know you kind of were talking about how it gets channeled or directed right and i kind of saw this with my Instagram growth or even TikTok, where I kind of had this like mental program that I was like, I'm just going to follow focus on my growth, like pushing my uh, quote unquote abundance into growth of my channel, because then that'll result in money, which I found out are completely it different. Doesn't. Entities. <laughs> doesn't work like that. Doesn't work that way at all. <laughs> so, is there a way that you found to just kind of embody abundant as a whole so that it radiates out and fills in the material gaps? if you will converts into the money. Yeah. Like someone well, but, signing up for an offer. Well, you yeah. mean that? 
that's helpful. But I, I guess I was even thinking of just embodying abundance. I guess the question is, let's phrase it this way. Let me rephrase it real quick. Do you need to embody abundance and then channel it in a specific direction? Or is it possible to just embody abundance and mm, it fills in the, the let's say, lowest common denominator, whether it's a relationship <laughs> or money, and it just knows what comes in or does it need to be channeled? I 100% believe that that energy is intelligence itself. So it can filter through all of these different areas of your life. However, it's going to be filtered through your limiting beliefs. And so Hmm. those beliefs have to come to the surface because you can embody this, uh, this general energy of abundance. However, if truly subconsciously I'm believing that money is bad or I'm believing that people can't afford my services or, you know, all these different things I can be believing that energy can only go so far because it, it is being filtered through me. I am a, we are our own quantum field. So it, it, it has to go through the different layers and levels of what we believe to be true. It's, it's an inescapable. You know what I mean? It's like when the universe scans you, it's like, okay, well you believe this, you are feeling, you know, pretty good every day, but you do believe this. So the overall vibration would then be this. And then based on that, you're going to get this. So you get the growth, but maybe you're not getting the conversion. Maybe it's not translating into money. And then you're like, ah, why? And then you're guided to the right information or person. And then you start changing your mindset. So um, limiting beliefs here is truly key. Rediscovering... um, like why you believe certain things. It's interesting because that's something that I've actually been trying to unpack a little bit more of, which is actually looking at the words and sentences that you use to describe certain things. I mean, especially just if you put the word money out there and just kind of do like a conscious stream of writing of like, okay, money, what does it represent? You know, and then you take a step back and you look at that piece of paper and you're like, oh, wow. Like I didn't realize that all of these dirty or muddy words or what I had applied to money, that might be why it doesn't want to come to me. Like the energy of money doesn't want to come to somebody who thinks it's dirty or gross or X, Y, Z. And <laughs> if we want to take this back to the female example, the same thing goes, right? <laughs> if you're <Yeah. laughs> constantly have these programs. Mm-hmm. So is there a way that you found that is a, maybe a quantum way for a nice flavorful word to reprogram these beliefs does just bringing them into the light and awareness do the trick or do we need to take another step so this is multi-dimensional on a very practical level what we can do for ourselves is shadow work and how i like to do shadow work is it's just about asking yourself questions um what am i most afraid of what am i what do I have um, like a negative attitude towards? It's trying to make the unconscious conscious. But the thing is, as these things are becoming unconscious, you have to debunk the limiting belief. So even today, I, I shared something on debunking the number one money, number one limiting money belief. And what I was talking about was working hard. And I said, okay, well, if it were true that money was a result of working hard, then all of the people in society who have the, the, what we would perceive to be the lower class jobs that are more laborious, they would be making more money, but that's actually not true. So it's like, 
What do you believe now? Why is that true or not true? And you have to like disprove it. And then once you disprove it, your subconscious mind will then accept the new belief, which is, oh, well, money actually isn't actually a product of how hard I'm working. But if you, what I found in working with people is if you don't debunk the belief, it's still going to be lingering a little bit. Now we can't do energy work and things. Sometimes it's connected to a past life. So another example is I had, um, this woman and her and her aunt ran a brothel like back in the 1500s. And so in this lifetime, she didn't feel comfortable with earning money because when she did earn a lot of money, um, she also hurt people or saw people be demeaned and um, belittled. So that was a past life that we had to sort of reconcile and clear. So there are many, there are things you can do on your own. There are things you can ask your guides to help you with. And then maybe you might want to go work with a healer or somebody who can really go deeper with you and see where it's coming from. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting point. And it kind of sounded like at the beginning there, you were even starting, you were kind of setting that up the same way that we were talking about that, like reverse engineering yeah. of those problems. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great way to put it, reverse engineering the problem. Um, even for me, when I, this desire was born to work on Wall Street. And at the time I was um, going to Michigan State University, I was trying to get in the business college because you have to apply. And there was there was no one who looked like me or a very small percentage. And I started recognizing that I felt inferior. I felt like um, I don't see anyone that looks like me being recruited by any of the top banks. Maybe it is, you know, all these different things. And I remember one day sitting down and I pulled out this notebook and I draw a line down the middle on the right side, I write what I'm now choosing to believe about myself. And on the left side, what I have been believing. And I sat there and I wrote down all the things that I have been believing. I don't think I can do this because people who look like me haven't done this or I haven't seen it in my family. I don't believe I can do this because people say it's, you know, all these different things. And something really profound happened that once I saw it on this paper and I made this conscious shift, my mind started receiving like the academic information better even so we can block ourselves on so many different levels. Mm. That's fascinating. Yeah. You touched on something. I guess we're going to take a quick step back into the ritual component. <laughs> right. you, Sorry. You, no, no, no. I, I'm fascinated by it. Cause I, I, it seems to me majority of the people who tend to either speak about this stuff or gravitate towards me, are white and by no it's not on purpose by any stretch of the imagination <laughs> but if like i have someone on and you're you're in the same realm of thinking as me where you enjoy talking about these hard to talk about concepts and aren't too afraid of people being triggered by them and so i i feel like honestly these are some of the most impactful conversations that we need to have at a societal level so that we can actually step out of this the 3d model of, well, you're black, I'm white. So I'm going to do this. You're going to do that. So, you know, that was another thing that I've heard multiple times is where people have put the idea out there. And I don't, and again, it's just because I don't know how true this is, put the idea out there that there's no, let's say hypothetically black leaders or black people in 
pictures or films. And so there's not like this, somebody who looks like me doing something. So therefore I am not able to do it. And a part of me is like, okay, that makes sense. But then it gets interesting where like, I think the Disney's now releasing the live action of Ariel and then it's a black woman instead of a redheaded woman. So Sure. Then it, it so it's it so like to me it's weird. It's like there's a part of me where it's like, well, if like this is what African Americans need to feel empowered, like by all means, sure. I have no affinity or attachment to Ariel. But <laughs> <laughs> although although she, you know, whatever. <laughs> we need to take a break. <laughs> okay, I'm good. I'm good. That was hilarious. Uh, I'm not sure what made that so funny, but because you're like, I have no attention. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's people out there that are very much like, you can't change her. Like this yeah. is, you know, blasphemy. Right. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's interesting because in your story it sounds to me like you found more empowerment out of the fact that nobody else was doing it, that there was no other African-American women doing it. So like, where do you kind of sit on this like, like moral conundrum of Mm -hmm. do we Mm -hmm. reshape white, you know, white figures in massive movies or do we create new ones or do we just leave the, (laughs) leave the landscape as it is? So, I definitely think representation makes things easier for people because they, when you see yourself, it makes that possibility more accessible. So most of the things that I've created in my life have truly been out of my own imagination because I haven't been able to see it. And Mm. sometimes that is a challenge, creating something that you haven't seen or being able to expand on top of something that's already out there. It's literally all you know, I am pioneering it. So I want to acknowledge the, uh, the power in representation and how it can help, um, the, the masses expand into different things. Um, however, totally lost my train of thought here. Give me a minute. It's going to come back. Okay, what you were saying about me finding this sort of thrill in not having representation, that's also a thing. But that's that's my personality archetype. I like doing things that feel impossible. And so this is very interesting. This is what's coming through on this. We're all having this experience because we are God personified. What we really want is to experience ourselves being God, that the feeling of what God is, which is total invincibility and empowerment. So for me, creating things that I knew other people would have difficulty creating based on their limiting beliefs, in a way, was my own God game of like, I'm God inside of a matrix where these other people don't realize that they're God and it's just a game and that's fun, but I also want to help them, but like, I'm still going to have fun. It's like, <laughs> um, this is why I call it, you know, it's like being an agent with all the cheat codes inside of a game. And so there is a part of that, that I truly have grown to love now for a lot of people. They're uncomfortable with that. It's like, I, why do I have the burden of, 
being a star seer, like having this information. But I think when you switch it and you can see that you actually have an upper hand, it can be more fun, which is why I love my life on earth. It's a really interesting parallel because I know that that first of all, that pivot of being like pivoting, that that woe is me into it actually being the strong suit is so, so magnetic, even just within yes. your own little vortex. But even that, that feeling of like pushing through that uncomfortability, because I know that I've been put in so many situations where my just soul blueprint was like, we can't be here anymore. We're going to make you physically ill, physically sick to get you to move on and get out of this. And it's, it's crazy because there are times where I'm like, damn it. Like, I wish I could just like be in a stable spot and just chill and just enjoy life. But you know, there's that competing thing of like, well, when I have done that, I just feel unfulfilled. I, I feel like I'm not, I, it's like this feeling of being made for more that I'm here to do more. Mm-hmm, Whenever mm-hmm. you're in that same spot, hanging out with the same people, you just can't achieve those same things. Exactly. And I like to think that we are here to get out as much genius and creativity and just intelligence that we possibly can in one lifetime. And that's how I've approached my life. I want to, I want to just get it all out as much as I possibly can in this small window of time and opportunity. I just want to get it all out. So that does require some uncomfortability. I want to go back to the, cause I realized I missed the, like the aerial piece. I also don't have an attachment to Ariel. So. <laughs> Good to clarify. <laughs> Seeing Ariel being black doesn't change me or my life, but that, but I want to acknowledge some people need to see a black aerial. So uh. there's truth in, in both of those things. And I, I don't push against things like if people need that, if if as a collective energetically, it so happens that more people need to see a black aerial than not. And if that helps people and they get a little bit more ounce of what they need, like I'm here for it, you know, but at the end of the day, we do have to start questioning. Are we creating things from lack and victimization? Like, do you really actually need to see a black aerial or do you need to just wake the hell up? Yeah, that's interesting. Do you think it's more powerful for them to Do you think it's would it be more powerful or more damaging, take it however which way you want, for them to reconstruct a white figure into a black figure or to just create their own, you know, let's say black superhero or black mm-hmm, Disney mm-hmm, character? Mm-hmm. Which one do you think is more powerful? And maybe it depends. I think creating something new based on the the new identity and story you want to tell is more empowering than recreating something out of victimization. So like these newer movies, I think it's Black Panther and even like I like the movie Django because you see like this, mm. you know, this very fearless black man. I like stories like that and I find them to be more empowering than like, oh, um, Let's beg to have white creators recreate something That's into something point. black. That's you know, a really good point. It's it's all coming from lack. 
which is why that vibration for me is more disempowering. But again, I'm always going to bring it back to different people need different things based on their level of awareness. And so I can see why recreating some of these figures are a part of some healing journeys, put it that way. I think, I think you touched on something right there. That's really important, right? Is what's the energy that you're creating this thing with is the energy of creation to just take a classical story like Ariel and just throw a black person in at the lead role. Like, what is the energy that you're doing that with? Is it this, you know, is it this, how do you articulate it? This energy of trying to cater to the minority population because they need a figure or is it truly to empower them? And I think that's probably a, a powerful question that I, I don't have the answer to, <laughs> mm-hmm. but whatever the answer is to that question, it's going to come through that screen more and could, I don't know, arguably, maybe not for everybody, but maybe there's an argument to be made that it could disenfranchise people more and put them in more of a state of victimhood. Well, I don't know. Is that possible? That kind of feels weird as I say that. Energetically, um, I'm just feeling into this more. It's okay. So how I'm being asked to explain this is everything contains a certain light quotient and the light quotient is like the purity of the vibration. So when we're creating things, everything holds a certain light quotient. If we're recreating Ariel as a collective, right? I'm not making this a black or white thing. We're co-creating that reality of recreating Ariel to be a black person or this black figure. Um, Collectively, if it's coming out of like one side appeasing another side to validate them, That whole project overall is going to carry a lower light quotient than if, as a collective, we decide to co-create a Black figure that represents this uh, true empowerment that we're looking for. Because at the end of it, people are just looking for empowerment. I think on the white side of things, people are looking to feel empowered and knowing that that they don't support um, old paradigm racist ideology so for them empowerment is okay how can we support black voices and then on the other side the people who are asking for these things they want to feel empowered with basically knowing that they are source to me that's what everybody wants to know that they are an embodiment and expression of source and they are invincible and they have all this power so it's like we're doing this dance around each other to all seek some alignment but like what's the light quotient in the things that we create Mm. Wow. How do we tap in? Can we measure light quotient? <laughs> <laughs> it is let me let me tap in on Ariel. It is at a 65% light quotient. No, I'm <laughs> How do we measure that? <laughs> um, but you know, for some people it is necessary, meaning and this is why I'm being reminded right now, this is why you and me and other star seeds are here is because we can see beyond some of these programs because that wisdom is coming from your own soul frequency. Whereas the souls who are here, who have been reincarnating here for a long time, this is where they're struggling to, to break out some of these 
ideas. And so, um, yeah, we're just here to bring conversations like this to, to expand that awareness. And it's crazy too, right? Because it's something you kind of laughed at was me saying that I'm not attached to Ariel. (laughs) 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 But it's interesting because it, it it probably has that energetic charge because as we're even talking about lessons, it probably has that energetic charge because there are people who even white people, I've seen it and heard it who are like i can't believe they're recreating this creating and a black person yeah. and they, they get the mad attachment. About it. exactly and so there's a, even a lesson in there for mm-hmm. both sides of the aisle it's really not even just I, I guess i mean i'm all for the you know empowerment of people whether they're black or white but even to even highlight that how could you be in such a fragile state that if this company is going to recreate a figure a white figure into black that you're going to crumble because of it. And I feel the exact same way about politics. I know a lot of people were like the whole Trump era was deeply triggering for many people, but when you're in the matrix, those things deeply impact you because you're attached. You perceive that your security and your abundance is coming from this one person, this one figure, this you know, I like to debunk things all the time. So I pose to multiple people, okay, well, when Obama was in office, did your life really significantly change as a black person? No, it didn't because you're creating your own reality. So all of these, um, it's like energetically people are just outsourcing their power to these things outside of themselves. You know, Ariel being black or white isn't going to change your life. A black person or a white person being in office is not going to really change your life. You know, they're all just programs that keep us energetically fueling matrix systems. For sure. (sighs) It's it's it can be heavy stuff. I know it can be some heavy stuff. It, It really exposes it too. I feel like I feel like there's always something that shows you another lens of that system, even from this perspective, where if it has that energetic discharge, you're able to kind of be like, okay, am I like, if you have that energetic discharge, if I have that energetic discharge, how am I still being operated or pulled by this system, by this, let's say third density matrix energy, as opposed to even just like letting it go and leaving it for somebody else to get their lesson from right as opposed to this transcendence of this idea and and even to tie it into what we were talking about earlier it could be helping to show us where limiting beliefs or certain perceptions we have that are actually limiting ourselves in our own personal expansion mm-hmm. i saw a very polarizing comment um left on i don't know what this what the content was but white male. And he says something along the lines of, you know, people are crazy if they think I should contribute towards reparations for something that my ancestors did. It has absolutely nothing to do with me. And you're insane if you think otherwise. (laughs) And I got a kick out of that because I thought if I were that person, I would probably think the same thing. This actually has nothing to do with me. And so taking that, if we look at what we're doing as a collective, we're perpetuating the same 
story and cultural dynamics that don't have anything to do with what we get to create. So me saying that all white people owe me, you know, reparations or whatever, based on something that I didn't even experience, like my ancestors experienced it and their ancestors did it. It's like, why are we all just like continuing the same narrative? Um, this is where the ascension has to start kicking in for, for, for us to truly disconnect from those old timelines. Um, but there are some deep programs, so it, it takes time. It really does take time. For sure. It, it seems like almost like a, a pendulum swinging. It seems to me as though it was so far pulled. And this is just America we're speaking about here, because I think right. all over culturally speaking, it gets a little different in other places. Sure. But it seems like in the in the American psyche or subconscious, the pendulum has been pulled so far into African Americans were, you know, slaves. They were in a terrible position, and it was at the fault of white men. That it's now almost swinging back into the other direction of, okay, now we need now it's the time to prosecute whites or go after whites, or we need to disenfranchise white people because they did it to blacks. And to your point, it's like you're, you're creating the same thing on the other side now. And, and I want to be very careful with that because I know it's not sure. exactly the same thing as putting mm-hmm, us mm-hmm. in bondage and chains and telling us to, you know, feeding off our labor, mm-hmm. but it's interesting how that pendulum almost needs to find its middle ground. And it's, I, 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 and maybe it's waking up people. Maybe the fact of the pendulum being pulled and slingshotting back and forth is this weird intricate way of waking up people who have not been woken up yet. Mm-hmm. And I guess just over time, it'll find its its center point. Well, there's a lot of pain. And so that pain has to play out. It's the same thing with what I perceive to be a hyper feminine movement that turned a bit toxic or wounded, as we were calling it. Um, and it's just because that energy had been suppressed for so long that when it was, you know, reached this head, it was just like women were angry. And then it swung that pendulum into all men are trash, you know, that narrative. And so with pain, um, pain has to be released. And I think it's the same thing with not just black people, but I know also um, the native and indigenous population are holding on to some of that ancestral pain as well. And it has to play itself out. Um, But ultimately we're all learning a collective lesson on love and compassion. I think it all comes down to that. You know, if, if you're doing something to someone that you're claiming their ancestors did to your ancestors What frequency are you vibrating in? And then I want to expand this a step further. And maybe we can expand on it after. What I perceive to be the dark energies that run this plane of existence. They want everybody vibrating in a, they want everybody vibrating in hate, a frequency of hate. So if you're hating white people, even if it's out of your own pain, that's still a frequency of hate. And that energy of hate continues to radiate out from you and fuel this matrix grid. So their whole game is to, um, yeah, how do we perpetuate the narrative of this person being empowered about this thing and this person being empowered and get them to attack each other and hate each other because that low level energy is just going to continue to fuel us. So when you really think about it that way, 
you get more intentional with your state of being. How can I be in a frequency of love? And for many souls, it's going to be a lesson on forgiveness. Um, so yeah, interested to hear what you think about that. I think there's a lot there to unpack. <laughs> I I would love if you could break it down a little bit more from how you're seeing it, right? Because is okay. it do you see it as like these massive energies that are kind of just taking us over? Like and and I kind of tend to illuminate I think the Egypt or not the Egyptians, the Romans and the Greeks almost kind of figured this out whenever they had their symbolism of gods, because they would call them like, the, like Cupid, the God of love or Mercury, the God of merchant and, and uh, money. So they were personifying these energies as the humans to give them concrete stories and explanations. So you almost, whenever you kind of break this down, are you trying to say in the lens of, these energies as a whole coming up into the physical form is, is that kind of the way you're trying to articulate this or did I miss something? I'm more so talking about specific beings who have okay. agendas to keep humanity's consciousness vibrating within a certain realm because as long as humans are unaware to a certain degree then they're going to keep creating certain realities wherein these beings are benefiting from that energy. So then what are like, let's define these then certain people, right? Because I think this is classically what is defined as they, <laughs> right, they right, don't right. want you to do this. <laughs> they, yeah. yeah. They. <laughs> <laughs> and anytime I make videos about that, they're like, who are they? Who are they? And I'm like, okay, <laughs> like fair, absolutely fair. So, uh, Classically speaking, it would be in this is my we can define this as we will, but my classical okay, okay. thing of who they is would be people who are aware of the energetics of the way the universe works. And then on top of that, want to manipulate those energetics to hold power domain over Earth as a whole. And then on top of that, they may have some sort of fourth density or fifth density consciousness aiding them in that takeover would you add or change anything from that definition yes that is we're pretty much talking about the same thing um and so to expand on it you have beings who follow follow the law of one so the ascended beings of light the galactic beings that i work with they honor and follow the universal law of one which is just Acknowledging that all beings are connected through the same consciousness um, and should be respected and loved and accepted and that type of thing. Then you have beings who follow under monic laws, which are basically using universal laws in reverse for power and dominion, um, like you said. Now, at a higher level, you really could see them as shadow beings because they are just a collective shadow. It's almost sort of like within God's game of creation, darkness exists so that we can experience ourselves as the light. So just to always keep it anchored in personal power, I wanted to say that. I see dark beings, whether we're talking about reptilians or fallen angels or whatever the sort, I see them as shadow beings who have a specific role. They are playing their role for all of consciousness and creation. However, 
balance um, has to be maintained. And so then do you believe that that is the collective goal of Starseas is to balance out the typical or what has been, see, I'm not sure where I sit on Retellians. I've kind of gone back and forth on them personally. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so let's just, let's classify it as just they at a generic level now, now that we've defined they. <laughs> and that's just one group, by the way, that there are many different galactic races who do not work for the universal law of one. So yeah, just okay, shed so, light on that. So just anyone who's outside of the understanding that all is one. Correct. So, so do they just not subscribe to that? Like, do they just operate at a level of consciousness of not believing that we are all connected in some way? It has to do with service to self versus service to others. So mm-hmm. let me, I'll break down their paradigm which is if i am god because we all are god if i am god then that means i can do whatever i want because i am god um but not recognizing that whatever you do to others is what you are also doing to yourself because we are all one so there's a bit of um imbalance in their paradigm okay so then Okay, so where are we going with this? What was the direction we were taking this? So what we were talking about is just as a collective understanding that when you're in a frequency of hate, there are beings who are engineering certain things to cultivate that energy from you, to, to continue fueling these timelines of distortion and pain and that type of thing, just to bring it back down to... Right. I, there's a lot of ideas that are racing through my mind right now because so then let's keep it in the energy of hate, right? Or of anger, of shame, guilt, at lower vibrations. So whenever more people are in that vibration, then it feeds these groups that are a part of that realm of energy, agenda, agenda mm-hmm. of that agenda. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, here's where it gets interesting to me, though, is as a collective, and this kind of comes back to triggering, right? I believe that you need to kind of be triggered to find your way to the truth, right? Like the truth can be triggering. So if you're exposed to that truth, there is going to be a time when you transcend down into darkness, into anger, into hate because of that act of being triggered. Sure. So... Not sure where I'm trying to go with that. It has to do with the awareness. If I continue to be triggered into these emotions from a place of unawareness, so then they um, they just perpetuate and I'm like stuck in a loop, then that's different. But it's very normal and natural for us to go through a range of emotions in this human experience. So if I experience hate, a moment of hate, a moment of suffering, a, a moment of anger, but on some level I'm aware and then I choose how to learn from that experience, then I'm evolving and I'm growing. So the awareness is like the missing link, not that the actual emotion itself is good or bad. Okay. So it's, it's just having that awareness piece that transcends you above these like lower states of being or frequency. Yes. 
But I also want to share that, and you just sort of like triggered this within me, which is in this whole sort of experience that God is having through all of us, these lower beings, lower frequency beings provide the duality and contrast that a soul needs when when they're incarnating in a place like earth because all places are not is not like earth but earth is one of the schools that a soul will come to because they want to experience such um intense duality where these lower frequency experiences are available so even the role that they're playing is not bad and i'm also highlighting this because when you start hating them you're still in a frequency of hate. But when you love them and you go, oh, I I understand the role that they're playing. I love them as one of God's expressions and creations. You're totally liberated from this, uh, I'm just gonna call them lower matrix games. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me because it's interesting. I have recently had some pretty massive expansion and awareness around my inability to trust and follow the information that I'm receiving from my channel or just my higher self. And an element of that has been the, I think fear, there's a couple Mm -hmm. fear components, but I think an element of it is the fact that I could be being misled by a devious actor. Mm-hmm. because that's something that's been fed to me that that exists. And so sure. it's an interesting thing because to your point, even if it is that, even if I am being led by something that is devious at the end of the day, it's going to be a lesson that's going to teach me something so much deeper than just not following at all, or just like not trusting the source at all is going to have than if I were to just kind of be like, all right, let's see this out. Let's see what this is telling me. Mm-hmm. Let's find out mm-hmm. what's at the end mm-hmm. of this road. And even how I teach channeling um, with my students, I always start off with telling them that everything is yourself. So even if I'm connecting to the Arcturians, the Pleiadians, or an angelic being or whatever, or a dragon or a fairy, um, <laughs> it's just a different expression of source, which is myself. And the frequency that you're in determines the beings that you are on the same wavelength as. So I know a lot of people like fear, am I opening myself up to something? And you open yourself up to lower vibrations when you fear that they could potentially have power over you. When information is filtered through your heart, that re- that heart, the heart really is a portal. It's going to purify any information. So if you still have some ego or some things you're working out, um, maybe, maybe you would attract some of these beings and you're getting some information, but it's just because of your own ego. So eventually you, you'll be able to purify that. It's still nothing to be afraid of. And I think that's a super important point that you're bringing up here where it depends on the energy. And this even kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier. It depends on the energy in which you are cultivating this channel or asking these Mm -hmm. questions from if you're in a state of fear and lack and scarcity and shame and ego and you ask a question 
you're going to be inciting the energy or the God of shame and fear and lack to answer that question for you. When will money get here? Never. Like that's the answer you're going to get if you're afraid and scared. But if you're actually taking a second to become present, remind yourself that you are this one creator of abundance and and getting aligned with the energy of abundance, then asking the question of when is money Mm going to get here? It's going to give you this answer of actually different. Yeah. It's going to tell you how to get there, when it's coming or how it's coming or what you need to do to invoke it quicker, as opposed to this like fear and scarcity mentality. Wow. I like that. That helped me a lot right there. I really, really like that a lot. Even taking these ideas and seeing them as their own God. And so it's interesting because I even, I channel the spirit and the consciousness of money. And that usually helps people a lot. But I'm like, this is an actual spirit and an energy. I'm going to call well, the ascended version of it. I'm going to call it in. And it just has these beautiful things to share with us. So however you're vibrating, that's what you're going to get through your channel. Mm. Yeah. And so it's interesting too, because it seems to me that you always kind of have your channel open. You're kind of always just in this quasi state. <laughs> At least that's what I've been picking up from here. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, definitely. It, my channel is very integrated. So my guides just pop in and out all the time or just, you know, the conversation that we're having, there's so many beings gathered around this conversation and have been channeling through you, have been channeling through me. Um, so yeah, the, they're always around you as well. They're saying, <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks guys. I appreciate it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but it, it's interesting. I bring that up because whenever I was taught kind of with my channel is that you had to sit down, have an invocation, and then you needed to make sure that you closed your channel. Otherwise like weird stuff could happen. And, and it kind of always sat weird to me, right? It was like this funny, like, why is there this state of like, like, you know, Mm -hmm. channeling now and not channeling? I think there's super, I think there's a lot of power in, in setting that intention and that invocation and calling in the certain energies that you want to work with and help you. But then kind of going throughout your day, it's like, but my spirit guides are already here. So like my soul's connected to me. So why did the channel stop? Because I said, I closed my channel. It's like, shouldn't (laughs) I, shouldn't I kind of keep something open there? I, I learned channeling like when i worked with a mentor when all the galactic things started happening with me i learned a similar thing of how to open and close my channel and i think it's a great thing for newer channels where you need the structure and if anything it helps you to manifest the experience of the connection more because Mm. you're saying i'm in channel it's like when people set up an altar and it's like well when i go to my altar you know they're coming through and I feel them more, but it's because you have a stronger belief and expectation. Um, so in the beginning, I think it can be powerful. And then the more you start to expand your awareness, you can just be fully in channel because also in the beginning of my channeling, um, like let's say if I had three back-to-back clients in a day, I would be totally exhausted. Like, like holding that channel for that long 
I would just be energetically depleted. So your light body also has to expand. So now things are just so integrated because um, my body, my DNA, everything has upgraded to be able to hold that frequency for longer periods of time. It's so cool. Yeah, I think that's where that's where I want to get. I want to integrate that channel. I want to be one with the channel. You're you're right there. I promise. Yeah, I just on the cusp. You're right there. <laughs> I can feel it. I well, I think that was the huge piece of this pivot with that trust because I think that was probably a big block that I was having from that mm-hmm. full integration because there was still this level of and it's the a distrust thing. Like if if I'm not technically in channel, but now I'm channeling, like where's it coming from? <laughs> well well, but even it's kind of funny. Uh I had this whole dream and it's a it's a long one, but the crux of it was essentially that I like wouldn't trust I wouldn't trust myself or trust the information per se that was coming through. So how that would look. And it was funny because I was like, do I, do I really do that? And what would happen was I would like ask a question, they would say something and then I would respond. Are you sure? (laughs) Are you sure that's it? And I realized, I realized like right whenever I did it, I was like, oh shit, I do do that. (laughs) And so now every time I've been like asking questions, I've been actively noticing how often I'm like, are you sure? Like, are you sure that? And I'm sure they just get pissed off by that. They're like, dude, like we're giving you the answer. Like, but then you're just sitting there like, are you sure? Like, like make sure about that. So I have two things for anyone who's experiencing the same thing. Um, Truth resonates in the body differently. So when you're in contact with high frequency information, you feel the resonance and the alignment in your body. When you're in contact with low vibrational information, it will create a mistrust or a fear or a questioning. So when you said, I don't trust myself, that's exactly it. It's not that you don't trust whichever beings this information will be coming from. It's that you wouldn't be trusting yourself to Uh, decipher and to filter. Mm. So if you trust that you are in resonance with what light, harmony, and love feels like in your body, then you can always discern. Um, And this is, of course, assuming that you have done a ton of ego and shadow work, um, which you have, which is why this is for you. (laughs) And the second thing is, you can always say, are you of the light? These beings can't lie about that. They're not going to say no. They're not going to say, yes, I am. They can't because they're in allegiance to the dark. So if you ask, interesting, am I connecting with a being who vibrates in the oneness, unity, and love of source and all that is, and you just wait. Maybe you don't hear anything because now they're kind of fleeing the scene. <laughs> uh, gotcha. So it's, you know, it's all about commanding power over your space which is a part of the fifth dimensional ascension where you don't perceive any other being as being a threat to you because nobody can impose into your space or your reality. I love that because that's also kind of where like free will comes into play of like actually setting the parameters and boundaries, of course, which I know so many people love Uh, (laughs) comes into actually in this spiritual realm of saying, Hey, you're not welcome. Like, this is my space. Like you. And that's it. Yeah. I, you're not allowed in here. If you're of lower frequency, if you're not of that love, harmony, light and unity. And it's interesting too, because I've done a lot more work with my dreams recently of mm-hmm. setting intention before bed, 
getting a massive download in a dream and then journaling about it. Mm-hmm. And that's really where I've been starting to see these huge pivots and the resonance of these messages that are coming through because it's, it's really hands off the wheel. It's like, I'm setting yeah. up this, this spirit, this space, this space for only light, only high energetic beings, only beings of unity to come in and give me answers. And then when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so resonant. Like how, how did you guys know? Like, this is incredible. And it's that prep work, right? It's, it's setting that yeah, stage that, of the intention. Yeah. It's setting that stage of, okay, only high vibrationals can come in. So that's what I'm going to receive tonight. And then when I wake up, it's like, it's like a no brainer. It's like, oh, of, of course I've been mistrusting myself. Like, yeah, duh. Thanks guys. I love that. I love that so much. And most people don't know that what I what we call the underworld even has laws and and things that they can do and they can't do because remember they're playing a role. So I do a lot of um entity clearing and some of the darker things as well and oftentimes what will happen is you know when some of these dark beings appear it's like okay hey do you have um a contract to be basically um, stirring up trouble for this person or not. If not, you have to go to the underworld or back to the underworld. Or sometimes um, high angelic beings or sorts itself will come through and say, you know, are they ready to come back home or not? If they're not ready to come back home, okay, fine, go back to the underworld. So these things have been painted in such a scary, ugly picture because they want humans to believe that they're more like bigger and badder than what they actually are. Right. Which happens so frequently. I mean, you, your imagination builds up that scary monster in the closet. Yeah. And you're terrified. Do you feel like there's any utility to them? Like, like, have you ever used them in your channeling for like, I don't know which shadow, would they be useful in shadow work? Is there any utility in helping Um, expansion? I, I don't connect with them to converse. Like when I'm dealing with them, it's that either you can be here or you can't be here or you, or you, I'm removing them or something like that. Um, so like channeling dark beings. No, I, with my channeling, I filter everything through, um, my angelic guides. So everything is purified. If I needed to get the perspective from their consciousness, I would just ask my angelic guides, Mm. you know, Hey, from this perspective, you know, what's going on or what's the role or what, you know, the duality contract here. I don't personally recommend working with those energies for a multitude of reasons. And probably the number one is that you can't trust them. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's a stick. I'm just hearing it's, it, it's a sticky thing. We'll, we'll learn about it whenever we ascend to the next, the yeah. next plane for, of existence. For most people who are listening to this, no, there are some healers and people who do things like that. Um, yeah, I'll just sort of leave it at that. And this probably comes back into when we're talking about they, right? They're probably actually using, they probably figured out how to channel and they're actually using those entities that are of the darker, lower frequency. Yes. So even the, the negative ET races, uh, they are just hosts for what we call fallen angels or what some people call demons Mm. who are, contractually they have fallen but to play this shadow role for creation gotcha 
It's fascinating stuff. Very fascinating, right? Yeah. <laughs> Takes you down but a wild rabbit hole. What I'll say is, in everything that we're talking about, can you feel how there's no loss of self-power? Yeah. It's all... I explain things in these ways because it's very Im- Im- important for us to stay centered in our sovereignty. That is the gateway um, through ascension. For sure. I mean, if you start like letting that up, right? If you start leaving that sovereignty up to a different thing or being, then it becomes, you lose your power. That's like where it all is, right? I mean, it even ties back into what we were talking about earlier. If you put all your power in the fact that you haven't seen somebody else do this who looks like you, you're still putting all of your power into the physical, into what you look like, and Mm -hmm. it will cut you off at the knees before you can even get yourself started. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. I really like that idea of actually kind of just sitting there and just like, so how do you, how did you set up your channel though? Then with the filter of like the angelic beings, do you kind of just incite that or just say that? Or is that something? Yeah. It's just saying it. It's just con- consciously connecting um, with them first before anytime I channel be anybody, the angelic realm is always present. Because they're sort of like the overseer of, you know, even with galactic beings, they're also experiencing an incarnation, so to speak. Um, Whereas these angelic beings are more so, you know, bird's eye view, kind of monitoring the whole thing. So I just, it's a thing that I just started early on with my channeling to always filter through them first. And that gives me um, pure information. Love it. I love that. I need to, I think I need to do that every like day to day or like just moment to moment. Cause that's, cause that's kind of where I'm at right now. And maybe, maybe you're able to help me with this because right now where I'm at is like, you know, sitting, taking a couple of breaths and then just being like, okay, higher self, what's the next thing I should do? Is there a way that I can kind of bypass that even questioning and just kind of stay in that source of connection? Is there like in, in any work or like intention that you could recommend for something like that? So are you referring to, as opposed to asking a question and listening, are you more so wanting to almost go into more of a trance-like state where it just like instantaneously comes through or like what? I kind of just want to embody it. Like, I don't want to have to sit here and say, I see what all right, mean. I'm grounded. I'm centered. Okay. Higher self. What's next? What do I need to do next for money? And I, even as I ask that, I see that there is utility in that with, you know, if I want to pursue money, if I want to pursue a relationship, but at the same time, I'd like to just be in this place of abundance and just kind of just be present and just see the mystery of how my entire life unfolds, you know? It's both, you know, sometimes you're going to be so inspired and connected that you're, you're doing the highest thing that you could do right now to be a frequency match to that money. And then sometimes it's going to be okay, I need, uh, I need to consciously understand what this is about. So I wouldn't focus on like trying to cancel one thing out. If anything, it might be, how can I experience more of that divine inspiration so that I'm already doing the highest thing and I, and it feels good and I don't have to ask about it. So what's coming through right now is that, um, you're already, very embodied and like you're doing these things and it's exciting but then the ego is what's asking the question of like Mm. well is this actually 
do I have the right strategy? Am I doing the right? And it's just because there's so much information out there, you know, and that was a huge thing that I'm still learning in my business is that the way things go in my business are totally different than how things are going to go in someone else's business. You know, it's, it's right. just totally different. So that's where we all have to learn deeper self-trust. <laughs> Hit me right in the heart with that one. deeper self-trust we got this we're doing it as long as you're in love with your work it's all going to happen how it needs to happen Aaron. i mean it feels complete so thank you i (laughs) thank you so much that was great information for myself so information for the listeners the conscious monkeys as we call them i'm going to get all your links i'm going to throw them down in the show notes below cool so anything that you have to encourage people ask people you got links you got stuff to encourage people to go and visit you the floor is yours and do with it what you will well thank you for having me this has been such a a vortex we've gotten pulled into. Um, you guys can find me at www.aaronlionsofficial.com and that's lions with a Y, L Y O N S. Um, and what I'm currently working on is a, a manifestation membership that also is going to include include some mushroom microdosing so you can learn how to consciously connect with the quantum field you can check that offer out at manifestationmysteryschool.com i also do mentorship um, for those who are also channels and you can kind of surf my website and, and find that offer as well so yeah are the mushrooms included or do we have to supply our own they will be supplied. <laughs> oh. <laughs> might be signing up. You might have just got one, one user. <laughs> it's so funny because when I was putting this offer together, I go, I always knew I would be a drug dealer. And it was like the funniest thing ever. <laughs> what a what a great way to wrap up this episode. <laughs> uh Aaron, thank you so much for being here. Uh Conscious Monkeys, go check out her stuff. Her Instagram is pretty dope. I you know, she's got cool stuff about money and manifesting and then channeling and a whole bunch of other stuff that we didn't even get to into the conversation today, but go check her out. And yeah, I don't really have anything else to add. Um, hopefully you're listening on the official traveling to consciousness app. And if you found any sort of value or information out of this, please share it, leave a five-star review, leave a review, let us know what you think. Hopefully we triggered some of you. So hopefully those people don't leave a review, but what can you do? Um, You might not still be listening. (laughs) If you were triggered, you might not still be listening. So maybe that's for the better. Uh, But with that being said, I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. And I will see all of you guys in the sixth dimension. Peace.